No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to another edition of BOA Audio Season 10, The Final Voyage. And, uh, you know, I said this with Bruce Rocks, but it's true tonight, too. You know, when we say no comparison, I don't think any guest really can uh, exemplify that that mission statement of this program more than tonight's guest. Uh he appeared first on the show back in 2009 for the uh, 10th anniversary of the Columbine Massacre. That's when we were first introduced to William Zabel. And that, my friends, was one of the most unforgettable interviews that I've ever done. Um, at the risk of being hyperbolic, I'd say it was probably like one of the best interviews, you know, ever in the history of the show. It was just absolutely amazing. I was thinking about it the other day. It was so unforgettable. I can... I mean, I've done a million of these interviews, folks. I've done like 300-plus uh, over the last 10-plus years. Uh, that interview, I can still remember, like, the circumstances of, like, where I was in the room, what was on the TV. There was a Red Sox-Oakland A's game on mute on the TV as we were doing the show. That's like how well I remember this conversation. It was just so indelibly uh, Im- Im- imprinted in my mind. That's how uh, unforgettable that conversation was. And then uh, – much like Bruce Rucks, he sort of developed a story here because uh, then William Zabel disappeared on us. People were like, hey, uh, I can't find William Zabel. I can't find William Zabel. He was gone for like five or six years, and it became this sort of in-joke uh, story of the show where it was like, yeah, William Zabel, he disappeared. We don't know what happened to him. And uh, eventually someone was like, dude, he's on Facebook. <laughs> and so I looked, and there he was, and we reconnected. And uh, we got him back on the show, and, and since then I've I've had William on sparingly. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of weaved Bruce into the fabric of the show. But with William, it's like he's like a he's like a hot fudge Sunday man. You can't have him once a year, even. You gotta just like enjoy it when you can, because that's how that's how much fun the conversations are. And for some strange reason, him and I have this weird uh, chemistry. We have a great chemistry on the air. I don't know how. I don't know how or why it developed, but I I love talking to him, and uh, I've been looking forward to this interview tonight um, since I locked him in last week, and, and more and more as the days have gone by, and all day today, I was just like, oh, I can't wait, it's going to be so much fun. So, welcome back to the show, William Zabel. Thank you for everything you've done over the years uh, for this program. Um, you know, you've given us countless entertaining interviews, so thank you so much, and welcome back. 
Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be back, and thank you for all you've done and having me on and having other people on that expose the corruption in this country and around the world and what's going on. So, yeah. Well, it's been my pleasure, man. I mean, I don't think uh, – I don't know. I don't think you do too many other shows. I don't, I don't recall seeing you on uh, – or seeing you appear in too many places. So it's like yeah. – you kind Mostly – yeah, mostly oddball shows. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> I, yeah, they're – That's why you're they're such more, a big part of our show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're more like the Patriot radio stations. They – back in the heyday of the Internet when most people were still on dial-up. So I was really on the AM dial quite a bit. Yeah. You know, those types of radio stations. And most of them are still around, but, you know, the shows are archived and people didn't even know I was even on any of those shows. So, yeah. Right. Well, like I said, yeah, it it, it seems, you know, I don't see you in a lot of places, which makes it special, too, to have you uh, sort of like a, a fixture, you know, of this program. And it's been great over the years. So, and I, you know, as I alluded to here, this is the last episode or last uh season in our seasonal format you know we do like season three season four so we're wrapping it up in season 10 i don't know when or what we're going to do next uh but you know when i was putting together a list of guests and everything it was like <laughs> william zabel that's a no-brainer that was you know you were within like the first like five names i put i put down on the list just off the top of my head it was like right, who do we have to have on the final season it was like well fucking william zabel obviously so uh yeah. hey exactly so what have you been up to since the last time we talked to you? It's been a couple of years, I think. A lot's happened out there in the world. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, oh, yeah. I think what the last time I talked to you, I think, was like, there were so many of these shootings, it's hard to keep track, but there was a – I forget which shooting we had talked about last, but uh, they're getting they're getting more and more frequent. But how have you been since the last time we talked to you? Uh, just really looking at these shootings hardcore, uh, it's hard to tell – the motives, because in many of them nowadays, the government's not jumping immediately on the anti-gun bandwagon. They're just, you know, they're saying, oh, here's another horrible shooting. Uh, if they, And we do know it's obvious that some of these shootings either are fake or they started out as drills and then went live, kind of like 911. Right. And they were doing a drill out in Las Vegas. Uh, I got the, a copy of the memo, some kid working in the hotel, snapped it with his cell phone and put it on the internet. Um, the whole thing with this Steve guy doesn't make any sense. He has no motive. He wasn't mad at anybody. He didn't have a manifesto. Unlike Columbine, where Harrison Klebold and these other secret kids and adults that were involved all had uh, a manifesto. They had a reason to do it. They were you know, basically all involved with the, the government at some level. This guy is just an anomaly. Yeah. And then you have that the the Paris shooting, and then that London that London shooting really bothered me because they had done a drill a month before, and I keep telling people if they do a drill in your town, watch out because within a few weeks or a month there's going to be a real shooting. They did the same thing here, Tim, right in my stupid little redneck town. They did a drill, and they said they were going to do it over at the old Chevy dealership, and it was going to be one of those barricade shooter drills. Next thing you know, there's a guy who's supposedly barricaded in his house with his girlfriend. Him and his girlfriend have no idea why the SWAT team's there. They're on the phone to 911 going, why are you at my house? I haven't done anything. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. he, says, he says, call them off, and I'll come out with my hands up. But he says, they got their guns aimed at my house. And she goes, sir, there's nobody at your address. 
She goes, they're across the street. And he goes, no, they're not. They're looking right at my house. Well, this guy and his girlfriend, they got him out, but they were there all day long, the SWAT team was, and they were screwing around. And it's hard to tell if this guy and his girlfriend were part of the drill, but I think what they're doing, and this uh, a psych- police psychologist turned me on to this idea, he thinks they're picking innocent victims who are in the locale where they're doing these drills, and they're turning the drill on them and basically making them Lee Harvey Oswald, where they're not even involved with anything, they're not doing anything, but when law enforcement enters their home, he says what he thinks happening is they're, re- they're reacting like any normal human being. Oh, my God, here's this guy dressed in black, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like that guy that got swatted and he shot and he shot and the cop shot him. You're talking about yeah. that kind of thing? And so we have these things going on. This guy, they grab him and his girlfriend after a day of screwing around. The cops were walking around the house all day outside and, Jeez. you know, and there was no communications, no nothing. Finally, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, they go into the house. No flashbangs, no nothing. They just go in the front door. This guy and his girlfriend disappear into the county jail and vanish. So I go to the house later because I remember when I was a kid walking by the house, and I know there was a lady that worked at the post office that lived there. And that same lady walked out, and I go, do you live here? And she goes, well, yeah, I live here. And I, and I, and I said, this is your house? And she goes, yeah. And I said, do you remember what happened earlier today? She goes, oh, yeah, my son was involved in that thing. They pay people good money to do that. And I said, do what? And she goes, oh, to pretend that they're suspects. And I'm like, really? And she goes, oh, yeah. So I told the Brighton Blade, I told everybody, and oh, oh, immediately, oh, you communist, you, you must be an Obama lover and Hillary lover and all that. They just start going on and on. And the thing is, this guy really was in trouble with the law. Later on, he appears in the newspaper again. And I'm like, hey, that's a the guy they took out of the house. Well, he was in trouble with an, in another county. So I think what they're doing is they're doing these drills, and they're finding somebody that they can use as a Lee Harvey Oswald, some kind of patsy, and then they're going after that person. Now, in Las Vegas – And are the, people, that, are the people like – what happens to the people? What do you mean they're making them Lee Harvey Oswalds, though? Like they're, well, in some cases, these people are being killed during these uh, police shootings. And everybody in the neighborhood says, why did the police go in that house? That person didn't do anything. But yet there's a drill going on in that neighborhood at the same time. Uh, and I think what they're doing is they're taking these things live. The government's actually creating them, you know, just like they did at 911. You know, we all know that those planes are being controlled by remote control, probably the NSA, because there's no way. Every pilot says that there is no way that you could guide those planes into those buildings. There's no way they could hit the Pentagon. I mean, we've, we've seen all the aerodynamics and everything of 911. Every pilot on the planet, every engineer has spoken about it and says how impossible that is. So, But I think they have continued this now on a local level where they're doing these drills, and at the same time, they got these events going live. And if you look at these shootings around the country and read the newspapers and listen to the, the news accounts, the people in those neighborhoods go, what's going on? That person's never done anything wrong. Why did they go in his house? You know, everyone's going, what's going on here? And yeah. when you have a, a community that can't figure out why this is happening, it's like people, stop and think. In your community, they just did a drill that day. Start making the connections. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans are still not connecting that. Yeah, well, it's weird. 
I don't know what to make of what yeah. you're saying. I don't. I, I'd have to see more. You'd, you'd have to show me some ev- some not evidence, but like articles or whatever of like these okay. instances, because I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really heard about. I, I know about the drill. The sort of I don't know if you call it a theory or whatever, but like the idea that like these things are connected to drills. So let's circle back to Las Vegas because that was sort of the big. Okay. I, I noticed the last time I talked to you was the spring of uh, of 2016. So you're just ramping yeah. up. I wish I had gone back and listened because I don't remember how where, where you fell on the election and everything. But uh, I'm interested to find out what you think now. But before we get to all that, let's talk about Vegas because that to me. Now you know I'm not a, I'm not like an ardent conspiracy theorist, and I'm not really I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to get on board with a lot of these things. But even I have been like um, riveted by this story because to me it's like something clearly does not add up with this story. There's something something really fucking wrong about this story. So like, what do you think happened for real in Vegas? I think that there was a real uh, assassination type operation. But this Steve guy and this shooting from the hotel, I think, was fake. Uh, they were doing a drill, and I've got the news footage. I was recording news footage just like I did at Columbine, right and left. And I started talking to people I know in Vegas, and they're like, well, we don't know what happened. Why would this guy do this? I mean, we were right in the middle of a drill. What did he know about the drill and decide to start shooting? I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> drill? And they're like, well, yeah, we do them all the time. Uh, every city does these types of uh, disaster drills. And remember at 911, they were doing a drill that one day. And at Columbine, they had done a drill in early April, the first week of April, and they'd done a drill in March of a school shooter. So, you know, in all of these places, you have these drills going on suspiciously close to this. Now, here's the other thing I've got news footage of a guy who's doing security at the rock concert right across from the Mandolin Bay. Mm-hmm. And he's standing there, and he's smiling, laughing. He goes, you know, he says, you guys want to stand up? Go ahead. He says, it's no big deal. And he's just laughing and carrying on. And this one lady turns around to her boyfriend, and she goes, that sound of gunfire. She goes, it's coming through the speakers. And then everybody else starts listening, and that's when they stand up. They're like, it's coming through the speakers. Well, people had never been to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is one of the most highly surveilled cities in America. It's even worse than Washington, D.C. Yeah. They, they have what's called smart lampposts. And if you're seeing anything really nasty, you don't want to be near one of those lampposts because they record video and audio of everything you're doing. But there's a catch to that. They also can transmit through those lampposts, both ah. audio and video. And that is what people were hearing. Now, How do they transfer say, video through the lamppost? They have little screens. These are the little uh, – you've seen them like in Europe at the bus stations and airports, the little screens on the poles. Oh, and okay. And they say, okay. Wel- welcome to our city, blah, blah, blah. Oh, all right. I thought, right you up, meant like, right I thought you meant like they were shooting like fucking holograms and shit. I was no, like, no. Whoa, little, this is no, wild. The, yeah. Right. No, there's little screens on the lampposts. Uh, they're touch screens, so if you're lost, you can touch them and – and oh, type wow. in what street you're looking for, things like that. Las nice. Vegas was the first city to get the smart lampposts. There's other cities getting them now. But the thing is, is you have people admitting that they're hearing this comes through the speakers. And later on, as people are running away from the scene, you have people that have gray makeup on who are obviously supposed to be playing dead people. and <laughs> They're carrying other people who obviously are not hurt. They're fully conscious. There's no blood on them or anything. 
And in one case, they have a girl in a wheelbarrow, and this is a paramedic, has her in a wheelbarrow, and there is a stretcher right next to the wheelbarrow. Why would you put somebody in a wheelbarrow? Paramedics know better than to do something like that. You've got to keep... Where would you find a wheelbarrow anyway? Jesus. Yeah, that was the other question that I had. Where would you find the wheelbarrow? But these photos are kind of like that whole synchronicity thing where, you know, somebody just magically admits, okay, yeah, I killed the hooker and, you know, that kind of thing where they weren't thinking, they just talked. Yeah. Well, these, these photos are talking for us. They're telling us there's something wrong with this picture. It's just one of those things. And the more and more I saw these photos, uh, and you see these people, they they put all these people in in the back of a pickup who are supposedly injured, and they've been shot. Now, remember, this guy is shooting 50 calibers. He's got some 50 calibers. He's got some AK-47s. You don't get up and walk away from a bullet like that. You don't get a small bullet hole like with a 9mm. A 50 cal or an AK-47 is going to take a limb completely off. Nowhere did I see anybody with missing limbs. Even if he was, In like, fact, super far away inside the top of an elevator? I mean, a hotel? Oh, yeah. A, fi- a, 50, cal- a 50 cal will go two miles, no problem, at, at full uh, speed of sound velocity. Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, even if most of his bullets miss, some are going to hit, and when they do, you know, a person's going to get ripped open. Okay. And, so I, I think and I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, unfortunately, I've been a personal witness to this in Panama back in 89, so I can attest to the fact that AK-47s don't create little bullet holes. They they take limbs completely off. All right, stop right there. What the fuck were you doing in Panama in 89 where you saw somebody get shot, if you can talk about it? That was during the invasion when we went in there in December to get Noriega. Yeah. Uh, I, I had just gotten divorced, and my cousin wanted me to come along with him. He was a reporter for UPI, and I said, well, okay, we're going to go, you know, take pictures of Noriega and listen to him talk about how great of a guy he is. And we got down there, and we were there for the interview when Noriega said, I'm going to hold another press conference, and I'm going to tell the world about what the CIA and the American government does in my country and who I really work for. Boom. Two days later, we were in there. They killed 50,000 civilians, the American government did, the military did, and buried the bodies out in the jungle. It was CNN, believe it or not, reporters for CNN that found the bodies, and then we all went out there. And I took pictures of a lot of that stuff, and a couple of things that my cousin wrote about ended up in the documentary, The Panama Deception. Wow. All right. Yeah. So you were down there. I, I lost you just a minute, Lila. You, you were down there with your friend. What was your friend doing, or your cousin? Oh, my my cousin. He is a reporter for oh. United Press International. Yeah. Oh, UPI. All right. Yeah. And you got to go down there. Was it scary? Oh, you must yeah. have been scared. It sounds like it's terrifying. Why would you go into like? Were you protected by reporter? <laughs> like were you? Yeah. Well, we had. Believe it or not, we had a military escort, a U.S. military escort. Really? And so we were able to go places that a lot of people couldn't. And we saw the guys who were obviously American military personnel in civilian clothes, and they were taking pot shots at the Panamanian soldiers and police to try and get them to react and shoot back. And a lot of this stuff was kept out of the American media, but then after the Panama deception came out, Congress started looking into it, and then other independent researchers and you know, even Gary Webb, you know, who did the CIA drug connection, he even looked into the Panama thing. 
And, you know, people started getting into it. They're like, oh, my God, look what the U.S. did down there. And Noriega, everybody knew he was on the payroll of the CIA. He was educated in America, you know, just like Saddam was, just like Gaddafi was. They were all educated at American elite colleges, and they were all recruited by the CIA to run those countries, to get in there so that our government could use those countries for a multitude of things, like American corporations using the cheap labor, uh, also using uh, the drugs down there, bringing them in, into our country and using their governments and their military as conduits. Yeah, it's, it's the old Iran-Contra story. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. So we, I was, I was kind of hoping you were like part of some kind of assassination squad, <laughs> like, like you like you never told us about before, but now it's like, oh, it turns out you were also special forces in 89. But okay, so you're just down there with a reporter doing reporting, but still pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're back. Let's get back to Vegas. So you're saying, so what are you saying? That nobody got shot? Because you know I have a hard time with that kind of that kind of thinking. Because yeah. to me, well, it just sounds I, completely wholly unbelievable, dude. It's like I don't, I, um, I have a hard time believing it. Once again, people got killed, just not the people they showed on the media. This, what they do in these operations, and I got a few of these manuals that were declassified that clearly show how the U.S. military does this. When they go into, let's say they got to go into a country and assassinate, you know, some director of an agency in some third world country because he's creating problems for one of our corporations or whatever. They will set it up to look like a gangland shooting or a disgruntled employee of that agency, or they'll, you know, they'll set it up to look like some rebel group or whatever. So what they do is they create this mass scene mm-hmm. where, other, where other people get shot around this person, and then this person, they never advertise on TV this person was assassinated. He just disappears, kind of like a Columbine, where kids who were supposedly <laughs> – not even shot, disappeared from the school afterwards and were never seen or heard from again, but they weren't victims. They didn't get shot. They didn't even supposedly really see anything. And many of these shootings were who were there, but supposedly were not witnesses. They were not shot. They didn't know anything, but they vanished afterwards. Yeah. I think this is what happened in Vegas. They were doing some type of high-level meeting. There was some... CIA people there. This has been admitted in the media. There was Homeland Security people there, and there was some big winging over this whole mess in Syria. And what it was, was that they were trying to bring in some of these Syrian rebels into the U.S. to train them out in Nevada. And Homeland Security was saying, we can't cover this. People are going to find out. We can't train them here. We've got to train them in South America. Those people were in Vegas on the night of that shooting. Those a lot of those people, those agencies that were whining, you know, to Congress and the media about, you know, we've got to back off from the rebels, you know, they're, they've got Al Qaeda in their midst, we can't deal with them. These people have now gone totally silent. We haven't heard anything from them since they met at the hotels in Vegas the night of the shooting. Suddenly, it's all gone quiet. Those guys have all disappeared. So Was that the real targets? Were those the real targets? Did somebody take them out and then use the concert goers in this drill as a cover for another assassination? I think that's what they're doing. Hmm. Interesting. So what so in this scenario was the whole was Paddock or Steve as you call him, Steven Paddock, was he like um clearly you think he was a patsy, so so what was he oh, just, yeah. he had no idea? 
he was just some chomp in his hotel room. Maybe clearly he had an interesting gun. So they said that on the news. So it's like were those all those his guns? Like did so what? What the hell happened in that hotel room? Nothing. The whole the whole thing was all set up. I I th- I think it was a setup, but I do think they probably killed the guy. He may have thought because he's got a lot of really weird, almost intelligence agency like background. To right, that's what a lot you of know, people have picked up on. That's I'm, yeah. I'm on the same and page with I, you there. There's something really yeah. sketchy about this dude, where it's like, yeah, he was a professional and gambler, I, but was it like was he actually using that to to oh, uh, think, you know to float money through that he was actually making on arms deals or something like that? That's a lot of people think, yeah. but who knows? I I think he's just like these morons that were involved in the Kennedy assassination. They all have their own little things that they do on the side, drinking, drugs, hookers, gambling, whatever. Yeah. And that's just part of their life that they do while they're out working for the CIA or whoever. And I think that's what this guy was. You know, he's got his Asian girlfriend. He's got his gun collection. You know, he's got his gambling habits. And I think he thought he was there for some type of intel operation, and he didn't realize they were setting him up. Hmm. And I think that's what was going on. And and just like Oswald, I think Oswald thought he was a part of an intelligence operation and that he was doing something for his country. Well, look at what he got blamed with. Right, know? right, right. So it's like they just sort of, they just like say, um, you know, they just kind of um, act like, all these people, they have a reason for being there. And most of the time they're duped into thinking that they're doing yeah. something like good. Yeah. How many now? How many? How many? Before we, I'm gonna jump off of Vegas for a second. How, we've seen like a million of these shootings now, dude. Um, yeah. Are they all fake, or are they all like, or do you? Where do you draw the line here? What's your What's your percentage? Well, on these, I I draw the line at the person's background, uh, the circumstances that he or she found themselves in when they did the shooting. Uh, whether a drill was going on in the neighborhood or that town at the time of the shooting and whether it was too close to be coincidence. I mean, if it's a big city like, say, New York, and there's a drill on one side of town and a shooting on the other side, that's just coincidence because right. there are so many shootings that go on in big cities. You know, some gangbanger didn't get paid for his drugs or, you know, some guy found his wife in a motel with another man. I just, you know, that's where you draw the line. You say, oh, that's just real. That's yeah, I look at the background. I say, okay, the guy's mad at the world. His wife divorced him. He lost his business. You know, he wants to blame this guy over here because this guy, you know, was sleeping with his wife, or this guy took his business away. So he's going to go pop a cap in him. That's where I say that's real. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Where I have a problem is people with no violent backgrounds, never been in trouble with the law, and they end up right in the middle of one of these drills, or like a block away, or two blocks away. And everybody can't believe that this person would hurt another person. And everybody's going, what happened to this guy? What's going on? And then when you read the paper very carefully, you'll see, oh, it's so tragic that John Smith blew away his neighbor when there was a drill going on two blocks away. The poor cops were so involved with the drill, they just couldn't respond in time. And I go, oops, red flag. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um. Well, you know, I don't know what to make of these. There's so many of them, I can't keep track of them. So the Vegas thing, oh, you think yeah. he, you think that that it was all that, that it was a cover, let's say, for a uh, some kind of clandestine. Um, yeah, it was an in, it was an in, it was an intelligence operation. There's no doubt. And there's, there's something weird of, about it. I'll definitely say that. There's yeah, something weird about yeah. it. Yeah, 
And there's lots of things that, that go on like that. Now, supposedly the rule is, uh, because the mob controls Vegas, if you meet in Vegas, whether it's U.S. government or the Russian mob or the Italian mob has other people come in, you leave your guns at home, you come in, you do your business, and you go. There's not supposed to be any violence in Vegas whatsoever. The mobsters have all agreed with that. You know, All of them have agreed that uh, Vegas is kind of like their neutral territory, and they've even told the U.S. government, you know, you run your operations, fine. You want to run operation and casino, fine, but we want our cut and no violence. Take it out of the city limits. That's you know that's the uh, my grandpa was you know involved with the small dones here in Colorado, which is a mob. And he wasn't really involved with them. He's a cab driver. He, he drove the godfather of the small dones out to the VA to get treatment because he is a World War II vet. And, and they used to sit and talk with him, and he talked with them, and they always told him they said. When you go to Vegas, don't worry, nothing's going to happen because we have a no-violence li- uh, policy inside the city limits. Nobody gets hit in the city limits, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's where I get all this from. It's my grandpa tell me what, you know, they said, and I met a few of those guys, and you know, and, and that was always their policy. It always has been. So if something like this went on in, in Vegas, um, this was – very serious, and I guarantee you there are some wise guys, there are some mobsters that are probably pretty ticked off about this shooting because that is a big no-no, whether this was a U.S. intelligence operation, whether it was just a, a simple sting operation, right, whether right. this nut yeah. job or whether this nut job just carried the guns in. Now, here's a problem in Las Vegas hotels. Yeah. People don't know this for the most part. Some do. But they have scanners at the door that scan you when you come in with your bags. If you've got a gun or a knife on you, the scanner goes off and security meets you before you get to the front desk. And, you know, if you just say, oh, I'm from Denver, I'm from whatever, and I can carry concealed there, I didn't know. Okay, let us take your gun. We'll put it in the safe. You can have it when you leave. That's that's how they work that. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, all right. I've, I've never brought a gun to Vegas, so I, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. So don't try, don't to, try. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, try. But, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, me in yeah. Vegas with a gun is like that's nothing good can come from that, William. Nothing no, good. No, but they have the scanners at the door for that reason, you know, because they don't want the trouble. You right, know, right. They don't. They don't want the gang bangers bringing their hardware in and stuff like that. So. I mean, if you're an honest person and you have a concealed weapon permit from another state, they'll understand. They won't escort you out or call the cops up to say, give it to us, we'll put it in the safe, and you'll get it when you leave. You yeah. Know? And that's how they'll operate it. So how you're saying how did, they, yeah, how did he get the guns in, yeah. How did he get the guns in unless he has somebody working for him in the hotel that may have opened the back door? But if that's the case, though, that, that is the most heavily surveilled city in America. There's video cameras everywhere. It's like London. Every five feet, a camera's looking at you in the face. Well, that's the problem I've had with this whole thing, too, in a lot of ways, because they say there's no cameras in the hallways. Now, I'm sure you probably disagree, but that's beside the point. There's definitely fucking cameras everywhere else. And it's like we've never seen any video of this guy coming into the, you know, coming into the fucking casino. There's never been any video. But but this is now – you are heavily into this uh, even more so than me. But, I, I mean, I was blown away when the pictures got leaked. Of of him with his fucking head blown off because it was like that shit never happens. Like oh, no, you never no. get that kind of graphic leak of the suspects having fucking blown their brains out. So it's yeah. like 
that to me raised a red flag where it's like something really weird's going on with this thing. Yeah. Well, it's it's part of their narrative. They need you to see a dead suspect so you'll believe that he's the dead suspect. <coughs> you know. Yeah. And it's just like a Columbine. You know, people are like, no way did Harrison Klebold do this. I mean, all the rounds that were fired, they were seen in the same place at the same time. What happens? The photos of those two dead in the library get leaked. And yeah. nobody ever knew who did it. They got leaked. You know? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Once again, they're creating their patsy. They're uh, releasing photos of their patsy. See, here's the suspect. The scumbag's dead. We're fine. We'll do the investigation, and then it all goes away. You know? Yeah. So, but, yeah, there's just too many, you know, there's too many unanswered questions there. Uh, uh, now they've come out with supposedly there was a helicopter uh, shooting from a helicopter and everything, and and – you know, that would be so painfully obvious. I don't know how they could get away with that if there really was a helicopter doing the shooting. The government would just never run an operation like that. They would have snipers close up, you know, that type of thing. The idea that they had a helicopter running over the concert goers, I, I just don't see it, Yeah. you know. But that was some of the stuff that appeared on the Internet within a few months after that. It was pretty interesting, and it gets more interesting. I think people are going to... You know, mm-hmm. are going to dig more into this because this one has the, it has a certain appeal to it that a lot of these other shootings. Like, look at that one. Uh, well, I guess that was a bombing. Maybe, maybe there's a difference between a bombing and a shooting. Like, no, I guess because the Orlando one, there really hasn't spawned a lot of conspiracy theories. This one here, by the sheer bizarre nature of it and the uh, unanswered questions, it's like this. This Vegas thing is like it really. Hits all the hits all the sweet spots for a good conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So I yeah. think I have an understanding of what your perspective on all this is. That uh, yeah. that that these that that the shooting. I guess what didn't happen, as you say, it happened. So as, as they say, it happened. So these there were these people like people did die, but they were what random people. <laughs> Who were the people that died? I would say that the people who died were those people that were there from Homeland Security. Uh, some of the uh, – uh, there was FBI there, uh, Homeland Security, high-level agents. Uh, they were all – and there was uh, a representative uh, from McCain's office there. There was a couple other people there that day, and they were in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. They were actually there at that hotel. They were discussing the Syria mess and how – the uh, revelations of ISIS and Al-Qaeda being involved were hurting our ability to fund and keep these guys in business because everybody was throwing a fit. That's the meeting that was going on there. Now, since that shooting happened that night, no more has been heard about this or from those people. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't, I can't find any statements by those people since that meeting, since that shooting happened. I mean, they just disappeared off the planet. And I think that's how the government is doing this. They're using these drills as cover for their assassination. And when they and when they want to get somebody and they know a person's going to be in a town like Las Vegas or Denver or whatever, they set up one of these drills. These drills are all done through Homeland Security. And then while everybody is watching this on the news, this kids and everything come out with, you know, bloody shirts and everything, 
the government is in there with their cleaners actually doing the real assassinations on people that whose names will never appear in the news. Yeah. And it's standard procedure. This is how our this government sounds too and other governments... I'm not... I'm not uh, part of me, though, is just like, this sounds way too complicated for... I feel like they're they're doing so much more extra work somehow. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it seems like too convoluted a conspiracy. But maybe, you know, maybe that's why I don't make a lot of conspiracies because uh, they have to be complicated yeah. like that. Who well, and in, in a case like this, it's not too hard to see how they can how they can do this and how it's not really that complicated. Uh, it could be the opposite. Instead of uh, ordering a drill where they know a person's going to be. The Homeland Security looks it up. They know where a drill is going to be in a certain town, and if they want to take a person out, they use their front people to say, well, let's go meet in Vegas on this day. You know, you're going to be meeting with other high-level people. We'll discuss the Syria rebel thing and all that. And then those people have no clue as to what's going on, that, you know, they're about to be set up. And what, are they giving uh, tickets I, I, to the concert? No. Or is this just, all take you know, place, they, like, in a different – location and then they just switch the bodies that's i mean like i said that's this is where it gets complicated where it's like why would they why would they do all that <laughs> like like you and i could come up with a better way of of orchestrating a plan oh, like yeah. that's a terrible yeah. idea it's a, so, so many ways you know things could go wrong if you're if you're making this kind of switch and you're trying to uh, get people well, to believe that there was a shooter in, in the top of a hotel it's like jesus christ it's a lot of work well and the, and the thing is is that you have fake shooters shooting during these drills. Obviously, you have that going on. So the people involved in the drill have no idea what's happening. And then, you know, later on at the hospital, they're like, holy crap, some guy did show up and start shooting for real. Only they don't realize that they're not the victims, whether real or, or fake, yeah. that, the, that the real shooters were, you know, elsewhere. Now, if you look on the Internet, you can find companies that do crowdsourcing for these drills. Now, here's the thing that they will never tell you, but I found out. When you're involved in these drills, you have to sign a national security oath. You cannot talk about these drills. You have to tell the world that you were the victim of a real shooting. If anybody says anything about a drill, they're to walk away. I've got the manual. I've got to find it. A cop got me the manual. He, he was doing a drill down in Georgia that went live a couple years ago and became a shooting. And he snuck the manual out, and I got it. I just got to find it. It's, it's a PDF file. But it clearly states in there, that on the last couple of pages of the book, that uh, these crisis actors get, they have to sign it saying that they will never disclose that they were involved in an active shooter drill, that they are indeed real victims. Um, so, you know, that's you know that's where they're getting away with this, is they're scaring these people into keeping their mouths shut. Yeah, and of course you go back to Sandy Hook. That is just so. Oh, that's so dark and and mysterious. There, I mean, no telling what really happened there. Yeah, I mean, was there was it real? Was it fake? I mean, there there is so much obvious fakery going on there, and you have these people, some of these parents, who appear at Sandy Hook, then they're seen at the Boston bombing, then they're seen at the Aurora. Uh, theater shooting, Batman shooting, and they're the same people. I've got them on the news. The voice is exactly the same. The faces are exactly the same, but they're using different names. I've, I've seen these things. I don't believe them. I've seen them. I don't believe them. Let me ju- let's jump. Let's move away from shootings because we. Okay. I, I don't like. I don't like even getting into that Sandy Hook thing. It's just depressing. 
Um, okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and because I feel like if anyone can see the forest for the trees, it's you. You see this vast, yeah. the vastness of this. And yeah. I think what we're all seeing right now, uh, and, 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 and well, yeah, what we're all seeing right now is, is sort of like this, what I think is this like deep state war going on between different agencies and different uh, factions. Oh um, yeah, you know, fighting yeah, for control of the very, you know, of the very soul of the of the government of America. So what? Oh, yeah. What? Where, where, where do you see all? You know, the lay of land on this? Because I, I imagine you see something quite fascinating. Well, the the what I what I see going on here is there is a war going on, but I want people to understand firsthand is that Trump is not the good guy in this. Mm-hmm. He might he might even think he's the good guy. He, you know, he might think, well, I'm here to help America, but remember his connections. Remember his past. Look at what he has publicly said, women, about his own daughter, his bankruptcies, his involvement with the Italian mob where uh, his uh, contractors were all mobbed up, his, his buildings, real estate deals that fell through, and the fact that he has been lifelong good friends with the Clintons and with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. What is happening here, from what I can see, and this is from psychologists and psychiatrists telling me this, is that Trump is indeed the loose cannon that the deep state is scared of, but it's kind of like, you know, in the Italian mafia. You know, you might have, you know, Jimmy, who he grew up in the mob, but he don't like it. He wants to go to college. He wants to get away from this mob. These guys are all crazy. He wants to go... You know, and they're saying, Jimmy, you go to college, you don't talk about what goes on here. You know, don't say anything. Yeah, so what, Donald Trump just wants to be an actor? Yeah, he's just, this is a game to him. He's just, this is his ego. And the problem is, is that he knows where all the bodies are buried. He's known for a long time. Trump is no lackey, just real estate junkie, you know, this failed real estate developer. This guy has been knee-deep in the CIA and the FBI for decades now. There is no way that this guy is anywhere near as honest as he claims. Uh, He's married foreign women both times, and both women have come from families that have intelligence connections in their own countries. And Uh that is not coincidence, you know. And And you have this current thing going on in the White House, and you know, the deep state is after Trump. Well, the fact is that he is the president of the United States. If he truly is as independent as he thinks he is, he could shut down the CIA and the Pentagon tomorrow. He could turn those both into landmarks. He could shut the whole thing down. It'd probably get him killed, but he could do it, you know. Now, I wonder but what would happen if he just did that, if he was like, I'm shutting them down, we're going to build a new one. I wonder what, uh, like, he, I think they would, I yeah. think they would, I think they would like, uh, they would just get him out of office, right? I mean, there's no yeah. like the country oh, would freak yeah. out. They'd be like, "Dude, you can't just shut down the FBI and the CIA. Like, what, what the yeah. fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah. like, are you laying yeah. off all the cops? Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, here's here's what I think happened. There is a lot of evidence, and I have got 20 gigabytes of data from the internet. Most of it is lawsuits Trump has been involved in. Yeah. A lot of it is uh, government documents. Does anybody realize that Trump has been under congressional investigation since 1997? They've been looking into his money laundering with the Russians for a long time. This is nothing new. 
And here's what I think is going on. And my cousin told me this. He says, and he's an FBI agent. He works out of the Washington, D.C. office. He says, if we don't want a suspect to know that we're after him for a crime, but he knows we're looking at him, we'll talk about something that has nothing to do with him. Well, if we're after him for money laundering, we'll say he's running hookers or something. Yeah. And then he'll say, oh, you're not going to find anything. You're wasting your time. And he says that will make the suspect relax because he'll think, oh, I'm not doing that. They'll find it out. I'm fine. And then he trips up, and yeah. they've got him on the real stuff. I think that's what they're doing to Trump. I think the election hacking is probably BS. I think they've been – the documents from the government clearly show they've been looking at him for money laundering with the Russians since '97. And I think they're trying to get him into a false state of relief so that when the time comes, they'll say, well, yeah, Russian hacking, yeah, we knew that was crap, but here's what we got you on. Yeah, and they have like a you huge have, money laundering case. Yeah. And this, and this, by the way, goes back to 911. This is how Trump and the Clintons and a lot of people are involved in 911. The Securities and Exchange Commission, most 911 researchers don't know this, were investigating money laundering by the U.S. government, the Israeli government, the Saudis, and a bunch of other entities, both in America and abroad. The investigations were housed in both towers, and their communications equipment for the secret investigation were housed in the side of the Pentagon that was hit by the plane. That was a lawyer who showed me his credentials and showed me he was involved in that investigation for the SEC. Guess whose names came up in that? Donald Trump Donald Trump was one of them, but the Cheneys came up in that, the Clintons came up with that, the Bushes came up with that. There was a number of people, including people that currently just got busted, like, oh, Paul Manafort, Carter Page. See, here's what they're doing. They've been laundering illegal proceeds for decades. Every researcher out there will tell you about money laundering and how billionaires and governments and intelligence agencies launder money. Yeah, everybody does. What yeah. they I do not yeah, do but, it, though. I don't do it. <laughs> no, no, me either. I mean, they can launder my dollar yeah, no out of my shit. pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 if, I yeah. Wa- if I wash what I have in my wallet, that's about the extent of the money laundering I can do. Yeah, but no, that's yeah. Like they always say, yeah, these, all these all these factions, let's call them, um, you know, they're mixed up in all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's, here's, here's where we get the deep state war. Everyone always says the war between the political left and the political right is fake. On the surface, the ideologies are, you know, are fake, and they do a fake war. But behind the scenes, they are fighting, and the deep state is divided into those who simply want to do business as usual and those who want to expand. Now, I've noticed something, and this is something that started bothering me right after 911. And it finally culminated the other night in something that some researchers, I don't want to mention their names because they're already pissed at me on Facebook. So, uh, But these researchers say, oh, the Russians are good guys, Putin's a good guy, and we go over there every year and do business meetings with them, and we do seminars and all that. And I'm like, and just what is Putin and Russian businessmen going to learn from a bunch of bankrupt American businessmen who live off their credit cards? You know, tell me that, yeah. you know. And what's happening is, is that the Russians, including Putin, and I know the Christian right will get mad because I'm de- I demonize the two earthly messiahs that Christians worship, Trump and Putin. Okay, 
Unfortunately, I don't worship food, so yes, I do blaspheme both of them from time to time. And I tell people, I say, do you know who Putin used to be? He was KGB, okay? Nothing changed in Russia. Read The Perestroika Deception by uh, Anatolia Golitsa. Read that book. He was mm-hmm. KGB. He'll tell you all, in his book, he tells you all about the lies of we're a new Russia, we're friends with the world, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Yeah, it was okay. like a fake out. It was a fake out. Yeah, I think everybody yeah, kind of realizes out. that now. Yeah, people are still getting whacked in Russia. They oh, just, yeah, they just, terrible. Terrible place. They just, uh, right before uh, Carter Page, who worked for Trump, about this uh, Steele dossier, um, they killed a Russian general uh, who was the second in command of the Federal Security Bureau, which is the you know the precursor which uh, took over for the KGB after the right, yeah, 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 yeah. Much of the yeah, much of the information found in the Steele dossier was found in the briefcase of this general. A briefcase that was very secure. Now, at first they said he was murdered, single gunshot wound to the head, sitting in the driver's seat of his car. Then the Russian media changed it after Putin got after him. They changed it. Oh, he had a heart attack and died. But the stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an easy mistake to make, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so anyways, some of the stuff in his briefcase leaked because it was civilians who found him. The media showed up. They knew who he was, and they're like, ooh, la, la, this guy's a big shot. They started taking pictures of the stuff in this briefcase. This leaked to the Russian media, and then it leaked out on the Internet. Much of the stuff in that steel dossier that alleges what Trump's involved in with the Russians was in that briefcase. So now people are saying, well, what about election hacking? I'm not sure that the Russians are that smart, first of all. And I don't think their hackers are that good. I mean, their hackers get caught every day. Yeah. So I don't, think, I don't think they're that good. I think a Russian election hacking is a cover story for what the FBI and what the rest of them want. See, these guys are after the Russians because the Russians are inflating our money supply too high and jacking our real estate too high by infiltrating both the stock market the bond market and the real estate market. Yeah. Well, our our people uh, in our intelligence agencies uh, in Congress, they all have their money invested in the stock market. The problem is, is that what happens if the thing starts dropping, they're going to lose money. The Russians, however, are continuously laundering money through, and their money is, of course, backed by gold and silver. Ours is not. Ours is backed by nothing. They are playing – the Russians are playing with our economy, and, of course, we're doing the same thing to them. So this is the deep state war. You have a deep state, part of the deep state that is saying, you know what, we need to get out of this. This is a financial mess for us. Let's get out of this. And they're saying, you know what, let's, let's, you know, back away from this. Let's side with Trump. Let's, you know, try to make amends with Russia, try to get them to cool their heels so they don't crash our stock market. Then you have the other deep state that's saying, oh, screw you. We're going, you know, fast forward. We're going, you know, we're going after this guy. We're going after Russia. Then you have those guys that are, they know both sides of the story. They know the Trump supporters. They know the Hillary deep state supporters. They're part of the deep state, but they're the guys that want to do their job because if they don't, they're afraid that they're going to go down. So they want to go after both sides in this because they see the disaster coming 
and they want to head it off at the pass. Right. They're cl- they're like the closest to the good guys you got. They're like the they're like yeah. the they're like the uh, the referee. Yeah. So you have this war going on in this deep state, and you have those in the intelligence community who are smart enough to know that Trump is a loose cannon. And they're like, oh, my God. And I, my cousins talked to some of these guys, and they are literally, I mean, they've just got migraine headaches 24 hours a day. They said every time Trump gets on Twitter, they're scared to death. He's going to say something he should. You know, and they're worried about what he might say. Now, do you think the PP? Do you think the PP tape is real? The, the P, what? The P tape. You think the P tape is real? The P tape from the uh, from the uh, from the Steele dossier. Uh it's questionable at this point. There is so much disinformation being thrown around, and I think Steele himself got caught up in a disinformation campaign. I think he's got some legitimate stuff, but I think there's also some dis information in there. So, so the stuff about blackmailing Trump you think is bullshit or no? Um if if it was real, I you know, I think the CIA would worship because what Trump's involved in with the pedophiles, the CIA and the Israeli Mossad are involved in, and that'll take them all down. So I think they would have scrubbed that. I think Steele heard about it. I think it was a rumor and he heard about it. Lots of people in Russia know supposedly while he was over there he was given hookers golden showers and crap like that and, you know, and, you know, three ways and pulling trains and crap like that. Uh, I don't think there's anybody who was in the, in the room when this was happening that's either alive or talking. I think it was just rumors, and I think uh, Steele picked up on it and ran with it. And with this bona fide stuff he did have, he probably figured it had to be true. And with and with Trump's own admissions on the internet you know, to CNN and other news agencies, and his big mouth, Steele just probably assumed it had to be true. Yeah, yeah, I I know that, yeah, yeah. We don't know for sure. Well, if it ever leaks out on the internet, we'll then we'll find out. But even then, you can't yeah. you don't know what to believe. So yeah, but the the thing with Trump, and this is where he is in trouble, but he could also bring the whole country down. They have had a wiretap on his uh, Trump Towers for years, and they bugged everything. And this guy with his big mouth was having these Russian mobsters to Trump Towers. He moved the guys from Bayrock. Now, Bayrock has a lot of the same signatures that we saw with Bill Clinton and Whitewater. And, you know, the savings and loan down there that collapsed because of the drug running and the money laundering. Uh, We're seeing the exact same thing with Trump and money laundering and Bayrock. Bayrock is a company uh, created by uh, Tavit, Tavit Afit, and uh, he is both Saudi and Israeli. His mother was uh, Israeli Jew and his father was a Saudi, and he... Uh, spent a lot of time in Russia after his mother got away from her abusive Saudi husband, went to Russia with him, as she had relatives and friends in Russia. Uh, they believed he was sheep-dipped by the Russian oligarchs because he's very good at hiding money. He's very good at avoiding the tax uh, collectors. He came to the United States in 1987. He met up with Trump. He talked to Trump about opening businesses in Russia. Trump went to Russia. The deal fell through. The Russian oligarchs really didn't trust Trump. They thought he was a buffoon. They, you know, they said, no, take this guy back to America. Uh, things went from there, and Trump 
began surrounding himself with these Russian oligarchs. And one of them was a guy by the name of Felix Sater. Uh, Felix Sater was the chief of operations for Bayrock. Bayrock was under SEC and FBI investigation for years. They also had the CIA and Homeland Security looking at them. They were not only laundering money, they were moving a lot of Russian weapon systems around the world, selling uh, Russian man pads to different countries. Uh, they had approached the CIA about uh, helping the CIA, uh, and the CIA initially told them to get lost. They had, you know, they wanted said, well, we can help you with rebels and things like that. Uh, it does appear at one point that Felix Sater in 2006 did meet with the CIA, and it was after that that all of a sudden uh, he gets moved to Trump Towers right after that meeting with the CIA. Um, Felix uh, became like a marketing agent for Trump Enterprises, uh, dealing with properties and such like. Uh, Felix Sater also has a very dirty background in that when he first came to the United States and he was trying to put things together and he was helping his buddies launder money and deal drugs and guns and all that, he got into a fight with a guy and put a wine glass stem through the guy's eye and killed him. Well, strangely enough, this guy didn't even do hardly any time at all, like two years, and all of a sudden the FBI has him out. Well, you know as well as I do, they turned him into an informant. So he ends up at Trump Towers. He's working with Trump. Trump is doing all these deals all over the world, and they're, most of them are falling through. They're, they're, going, they're just falling through. And, and the Russians are not the type of people that if they give you money to build a hotel or whatever – and you screw up and lose all the money, they're not going to say, hey, it's all right, Yankee. Don't worry about it. We'll, get, we'll, we'll take care of it the next time. No, you lose their money, you lose a hand. Yeah, yeah, you don't and, want to lose the money, yeah, because of the Russian yeah. law, for sure. Yeah. And it was becoming obvious because Trump had taken six bankruptcies, business bankruptcies, pretty much completely broke, no money, but he's still doing these deals. He's buying jets. He's buying cars. Uh, got homes all over the world. He's living high, and people are like, "How the hell is this guy doing this? The banks won't lend him money, any money. The banks and in New York told him get lost. You're not getting any more money from us." Right. Well, the FBI investigation and the wiretaps proved where his money was coming from. It was coming from the Russian mob. Yeah. You know, I, think, think, I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna shake all that out uh, when this thing comes yeah. to a head. Now, somebody in the chat asked, "It's good." Uh, so so we sort of like bring things back to a to a. Uh, a point on terra firma in a sense. They want to know if um, people are – If this, we talked about these three groups, sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, yeah. is, there some, is there somebody like above these people? Uh, you know, is there an overarching like Uber uh, group that's, that's even above that stuff, or is it just like – are we just in kind of like this state of like uh, people fighting for control of the world, I guess? Well, there is an overreaching group, and I mean, we know who they are. We've seen them written about in many books, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers. Um, all, of the, all, of these, all of these people at these upper levels, these super rich families, they, they control all these people below them, the Russians, the Americans. The yeah, yeah, so they don't care what happens really in a sense. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't really care. The fighting doesn't mean anything to them because they get their cut. They get their money in the end. So they're the overreaching, overarching group, and they are what we would call 
Uh, well, some researchers have called them the black nobility because they practice the black Catholic mass, which is like satanic worship. Yeah. Uh, American researchers call them the New World Order, uh, but it's all the same. It's always been the same, and nothing's changed. And these these guys that Trump has surrounded himself with, what was one of the things that he's that you know that he said he would do? He was he was going to do all this stuff. He was going to normalize relations with Russia. Uh, and some of the other things he said he was going to do that only made a little bit of news coverage. He said that he was going to give back the Russians the property that had been seized in the U.S. Right. Under the Seth McGinsky Act that Obama signed into law in 2011, for people that don't know about Seth McGinsky, he was a Russian lawyer who was helping Americans funnel money into the U.S. from Russia. And basically... American businessmen and Russians within the Russian government were stealing the new ruble after the Russian Federation was created, laundering it out to American businessmen in the U.S. stock market. This is where we have a big problem. Some economists have actually picked up on this. If Congress determines that Trump is an idiot, they're not going to let Trump release all this property, but let's say Congress finalizes their investigation about the Russian money laundering and decide to seize not only the money in the U.S. that the Russians have invested here, but the real estate, there are two markets that will collapse immediately, the economic market and the real estate market, because the Russians are invested all over the United States in real estate. They're into everything, shopping malls, apartment complexes, you name it. Really? They're, they're involved in the stock market. They, it's believed, though not proven yet, that they have an estimated $1 trillion in the stock market. Jesus. That's clearly, if that's true, that's about 35% of the total value of the stock market. If Congress were to seize that money, if Congress were to seize that real estate, our economy would be done tomorrow, and now you can see why people are worried about war with Russia, because Putin and his oligarch friends wouldn't stand for that for two minutes. That's well, couldn't we? I don't know how this works, uh, uh, but couldn't couldn't um, wouldn't that help us if we just took like a trillion dollars from Russia? I mean, I don't know how the money works in a sense. I mean, it's all sort of like uh, dots on a computer. But couldn't we be like, hey, we just threw this into the debt, dude? We have a tr- we have a trillion dollars, like all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it also has to do with investor confidence. If investors saw that the Russians had invested that much and and the Congress is about ready to seize that money, investors would start pulling their money out. Uh, people that own real estate or people that, let's say people that were leasing uh, 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 commercial real estate suddenly found out some Russian mobster was their landlord, you know, instead of Trump or somebody, they might decide we're getting out of this lease, we're getting out of here. Some of these yeah. leases are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in lease payments. Uh, the scenarios here are so scary that the people who are actually looking at this are just petrified of what this means for our economy and and our you know our image on the international stage. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a scary state. So to bring now we talked about sort of the greater uh, the, the bigger picture, but so so what. What do you think, in your wisdom of the world, what do you think is going on? What do you think is going to happen with this Trump thing? You know, and what about North Korea? What do you think is going on with North Korea? 
Well, I I think I think North Korea is a distraction. Mm. What they want to do is they have to keep us away from looking at Syria. Syria is where the game is at. Forget North Korea. Armness just after we left the Korean War. That that is an that is a that's not even a contest. This isn't about Korea. It's about keeping the American public away from Syria and what's going on. First of all, we support these terrorists. We finance them. There's pictures of McCain with them in Syria, and there's pictures of McCain with them in Washington, D.C., when he brought these idiots to D.C. a couple of years ago. Uh, clearly treason. These are, these are hardcore, hardline Muslims uh, who hate America. They hate Israel. They hate, they hate everyone. I mean, they'll work for the highest bidder. They don't care. Yeah. And we're funding these guys. They've got to keep us, the American public, away from that because if the American public ever gets turned on to that and becomes public knowledge, then Putin can say, ah, look what you're doing. Now, he already knows what we're doing, but because the American public doesn't know it, if he were to come out first and say, your government is funding terrorists, the American public, because we're so turned against Putin, they all shut up, you old commie. Yeah. But <laughs> if we screw up, and, and it comes out first publicly, then Putin has the upper hand, and he could start annihilating U.S. forces in the Middle East and get away with it legally under international law. Yes. And, he, and right now, we are putting permanent bases in Syria in violation of U.S. and international law. We have not declared war against Bashar al-Assad. And we're in there trying to take him out. For people that have seen pictures of Damascus, believe me, if you don't think the Bible is real, remember the Bible says Damascus will become a ruinous heap. There's only like 20 square blocks left of Damascus. Well, that raises a question. That's a dark question. That's a dark avenue to raise, though, William. Do Mm -hmm. uh, Do you think we're in the end times? Oh, yeah. From a biblical perspective, I believe it. I know a lot of people get freaked out when I say that, and I'm like, but the Hindus, the Buddhists, they all have their own version of the end days. This is not just a Christian thing. You know, you can you can go to any country where there's Hindus and Buddhists, they'll tell you the same thing. Their religion talks about this, where that man will become so dark in his heart, you know, that this creator and each religion has their own version of the creator, decides that's enough. You know, I've had enough of this. And so we have to, even if you don't believe in the Bible, even if you're an atheist, You've got to believe that we're in a lot of trouble. You know, you can't. Yeah, you can't it. deny that. I think. Yeah. I think everybody yeah. listening, whether they like Donald Trump or dislike him, or 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 wherever the hell they feel on the or the, from a whole other country. Yeah. I think we can all yeah. fucking agree that things do not seem well. No. No. And. The, here's how I think it's going to work, and this is based off what my cousin told me and uh, lawyers and people in law enforcement. Look at what's going on with this investigation as an onion. Mueller is peeling away the layers of the onion. Trump is at the center of the onion. His family, his business associates, and people around him politically are all on the outer part of that onion. And Mueller is taking off the outer skin. And as you can see, if you've read any of the transcripts from the House Intelligence Community, uh, Committee hearings, you will see people like Paul Manafort, Carter Page, and the rest of these guys contradict themselves on a constant basis during the hearings. Nice. And Carter Page said the same thing that Trump said. 
I don't know anybody in Russia. I've never met with Russians. I just go over there and do economic uh, seminars. I don't, I'm not personal friends. Then they said, oh, well, we've got this picture of you, and we've got this, uh, we got this uh, transcript where you were talking to this guy. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I talked to that Russian guy. Okay, well, we now know he came to the United States years ago, and he spent time at your home. He actually stayed in your home. If you don't know, if you don't know Russians and you're not personal friends with them, how come the director of economic ministry of Russia stayed at your house? Oh, well, uh, well, I, I don't, uh, I don't know him that well. This guy stepped over himself so many times and tripped over his own tongue, got indicted. Now, here's what I love about Trump supporters. Going back to Paul Manafort, he was indicted for being a foreign agent who was not registered in the U.S. And all the Trump supporters, who are about as brainwashed as the old Obama supporters were, uh, they say, well, since Paul Manafort wasn't indicted for being involved in election hacking, he didn't try to buy the Russians, they didn't try to buy him, you can't indict him for anything. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Here's why. If the cops come to your house because they're being told you're serving alcohol to underage minors, and they come in the house, there's nobody underage, there's no alcohol, but they find a dead hooker in your bedroom, and you admit to them, well, yeah, I killed the hooker. She wanted too much money. Can they indict you? Yes, they can indict you, you moron. Right, right. <laughs> they, just have to, yeah. they, have to, they have to go back and amend the warrant to put dead hooker on it, but they can still indict you. But Trump, <laughs> support, but Trump supporters say because Paul Manafort wasn't indicted for election meddling or hacking, he can't be indicted for being a foreign agent when he admitted he was not registered as a foreign agent. Right, right, right. I, it's, just, it's just incredible how the stupidity factor here. And this is what's going to get us all killed is people acting stupid long before the corrupt people will get us killed, the stupid people will. Oh, man, you don't, you're preaching to the choir there. Now, just to be fair to Carter Page, which are words I never thought I would ever say, uh, he has not been indicted for anything uh, yet, but he has not been, in, he's not been indicted at this time. So Okay. Well, they were, they were talking like he had been indicted. It so seems like probably he probably will be, will be but yeah. in, in case he's listening, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like he doesn't have enough to worry about, he... He may, yeah. he may, he may come after but all of America and William Zabel, and we, we wouldn't well, want to tarnish our, our, well, our magic here. <laughs> well, I would, I would, lo- I would love to talk to some of these people personally and say, what in God's name are you doing in Russia? Say, oh, we're just, we're just teaching the Russians how to do business. I'm like, the Russians do business just fine. They don't need you idiot bankrupt Americans over there teaching them how to do anything. I, and I, <laughs> I what like I'd like email. to do. Is, I, what I'd like to do is ask Carter Page, say, how much does the CIA pay you to go over there and get a suitcase of Russian rubles and bring them back to the U.S. and launder them? That's what I'd like to ask him. So what do you think is going to happen to Donald Trump? Uh, you know, he's kind of a loose cannon, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, it's, it's very scary, William, because I, I think uh, I think um, I think that he's a little – off the, off the rocker, but at the same time, the people that support him, they think he's like it's. They think he's like the, the second coming of uh, of Christ or something. It's kind of oh, scary. Yeah. And look at, oh. I know there were people like that with Obama. Don't get me wrong. There there were plenty of people like that with Obama. But it's like, it's a creepy vehemence with Donald Trump. I I find it's like a very like a lust for to- for authority that I that makes me creeped out. The lust for authority. People liked Obama because he was like a celebrity. You know, yeah. this is a whole different kind of cult of personality. This is like a fucking creepy cult of personality. 
Yeah, this is like we got David Koresh as president or Jim Jones or something, you know. I'm just waiting for Trump to set up the cart uh, cart cables and start pull, uh, pouring out the Kool-Aid saying, come, my followers, come. <laughs> you know, yeah. but no, I I think eventually what will happen is they'll get Trump on a 25th Amendment removal. There is a lot of evidence that he's got dementia and uh, you've seen some of the news footage of him where he gets off Air Force One and starts walking down the tarmac, and the Secret Service has to run after him. And right. you know, and he, I mean, the, the limo was right there in front of him. They pull the limo right up to the stairs, and he just starts walking. And and I'm thinking, yeah, he's showing a lot of dementia. Uh, there's things he can't remember he says, and then when he sees it, he goes, "Well, I don't remember saying that." And it's like, "Well, it's your Twitter account, you know." Um, uh, just weird. Just you can just see it. I watched, yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems I, like you've lost a step. That's for sure. Yeah, I've watched my grandfather go through dementia. Uh, I've seen it before. The signs are very obvious. So I think if they remove him, they're going to do it in a way that doesn't upset Americans too much. They're going to say, "Hey, you know, this guy. He's got dementia. He's uh, he's a danger to himself and to the country. He doesn't know what he's doing." You know, we've got to get him out. And I think the Republicans are starting to swing around to that, some of them at least. They're you, starting you think to think they'll just, just offer, like, be like, hey, dude, can you you got to resign or else we're going to take you out with the 25th Amendment kind of thing? I feel like yeah. I feel like they I feel like if if they gave him the if they gave him the option, he would be like, all right, well, I'd rather, you know, resign than be forced out yeah. because I'm crazy. I, 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 think think they'll, I, think they'll, I think they'll give him that because, for one thing, his lawyer has told him to shut up multiple times and stay off Twitter, and he won't do it. And every time he gets on Twitter, it gets worse. And uh, I think he's going to say something really stupid, and it's going to be so damaging, they're not going to have a choice but to remove him. I'm waiting for him to just come right out and say it, that you know we're supporting the rebels. We know that they're bad. You know, we know they're terrorists, but you know, we've got to use these people, which is not something a president should say, but I've got a feeling that in some ways, even with dementia, he still has some faculty there. And I still think he's such an arrogant old cuss. He thinks he can do anything and get away with it. And I, and I think that coupled with dementia makes him far more dangerous than Obama ever was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That goes without saying. Obama was like he was a puppet. Yeah. Trump doesn't seem like a puppet. He seems like a puppet that's come to life. <laughs> he's like Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? he's uh, he's like you know, he's, Yeah, he's he's the guy that the mafia don tells him to go out and do a hit, and he does a hit, and then he goes to the Italian restaurant and starts bragging, yeah, we hit old Uncle So-and-so, yeah, we busted his kneecaps, <laughs> you know, and the Mafia Don, you know, saying, you're not supposed to talk about this, what are you doing, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that trumps that kind of person, you know, right, and I right. think I think it's that celebrity ego that he has, he just can't help himself. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm Trump, I'm the man, you know, you know, who's going to do anything <laughs> to me, you know? That's that summed it up better than anything I've heard in a long time. Yeah, that's pretty much his attitude. I'm Trump, yeah. I'm the man. Yeah, believe me, I'm no fan. I'm not a fan at all of Trump. So, yeah. uh, well, anyways, if we can kind of add on to what Trump is doing a little bit here, yeah, uh, this kind of nails a couple more groups in America, which. Conservatives will start crying if they're listening to your radio show, and, and I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
about I don't think this. I have many conservative listeners anymore. Cause, oh. oh, okay. <laughs> Cause, oh, I chased, I chased them all away? Or? No, no, no. Well, I've chased them all away, but who oh. knows? But. <laughs> Anyways, the NRA is involved in this mess. The NRA went to Russia, and they were trying to talk about, you know, gun rights and all that, which, well, talking about gun rights and and Russia is like going into a whorehouse and talking about virginity. It just doesn't fit, you know. And uh, the NRA, uh, this, these guys, I, I've emailed them a couple of times about their involvement with a guy named Alexander Torshin. Alexander Torshin is the godfather of the Moscow-based Panaskia Crime Syndicate, which is part of the, it's an arm of the Russian mafia, and he paid for the high-ups in the NRA to go to Moscow to talk about civil rights and the rights of individuals to defend themselves and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this guy has been in, indicted in Spain. Uh, he was thrown out of the, the Duma. He was thrown out of the upper house of parliament in Russia. And this was just a couple, about a year ago. The thing about the NRA is that even though they know that he is involved in the uh, um, involved in the Russian mob, they didn't seem to have a problem with that. And unfortunately, on the Christian right, we see this attitude where, oh, okay, so he might be involved with the mob, but at least he's not involved with the Democrats and Hillary. You know, this really stupid mentality where right right yeah yeah i've heard yeah. that where it's like hey man it's okay if he worked with the russians because fuck hillary it's like yeah. what? i don't <laughs> i don't yeah, remember you know. hillary remember hillary worked with the russians too absolutely yeah. well look at, I, I i said it on the show before it's like they're both evil people uh but they've been trying to catch hillary for like 20 something years and they haven't and this yeah. fucking guy can't can't step out in front of himself you know he's he's all he's all left feet yeah. You know, he's an idiot. It's like I'd rather have the fucking super villain run the country than than the yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, at least, I mean, at least, yeah, at least everything would be efficient. I mean, there's nothing efficient under this guy. Yeah, anyway, it's like, oh, we choose the, the the lesser of two evils. It's, it's like, well, no, choose the greater of fucking two evils because they're both idiots. Then fucking pick the better villain, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't understand what, what people were thinking there. Yeah. So, unfortunately, you have American uh, organizations who are going to Russia. They know these people are bad that they're meeting with. They know these people are bad that are paying their way over there, but they're doing it anyways. The American Conservative Union, they went to Russia. They met with all of these people who are on this uh, Seth McGinsky Act, which are people that Congress made the law, Obama signed it, and said these guys are Russian mobsters, they're involved in human rights abuses in Russia, they're running child pornography rings, they're laundering money. No American can do business with these people or have any contact with them. And here's all the people around Trump having contact with those people, even though they know they're not supposed to. So they're violating U.S. law, they're violating international law, because the Seth McGinsky Act became an international law, too. The U.N. and The Hague both recognized that and have put sanctions on Russia wanting Putin to clean these oligarchs up or they're not going to take sanctions off Russia. So they're violating international law. They're violating U.S. law. And the only question I have 
is why would so-called good Bible-thumping Christians like the NRA and the American Conservative Union and a bunch of these other people, why would you go to Russia? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as a good American conservative. You know, most American Christian conservatives have got some kind of dirt. And a lot of these American conservatives, they're laundering money. They're doing the same thing they accuse the government and the left wing of doing. Look at all the militia groups. Look what they were doing. Oh, the New World Order's going to come get us, so we're going to go rob a bank and get the money to buy guns to go fight the government. So how are you better than the government? <laughs> you know, if you're going to go rob a bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to go rob a bank to get the money to buy guns to go fight the so-called U.N. troops, you know, hiding in the parks, the national parks, you know. And so the people, and these people are being drawn in by the globalists on the right, the Christian right, and they, and they 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 get so into this whole patriotism and all that. And of course, Edmund Burke spoke about that. Edmund Burke said patriotism is the virtue of the vicious, and he kind of had a good reason to say that. Um, so these Russian oligarchs are laundering money through uh, uh, Trump's properties. Trump has 450 limited liability companies registered in Delaware and New York and New Jersey. Who the hell needs that many little limited liability companies? I already had a friend go to all these addresses, and it's an empty office with a desk and a phone. That's all it is. They're shell companies. That's all they are. Yeah. And if and if you look at his companies, like his main ones that are part of the congressional investigation, 40 Wall Street Limited and 44 Wall Street Limited, these two buildings, uh, they're right across the street from each other, you will find that they're owned by another limited liability company. And that company is owned by another limited liability company, which is uh, in turn owned by a limited liability company out of Delaware, who is in turn owned by an offshore entity in the Bahamas. That is called structuring. People go to jail for that in America. But yeah. Trump hasn't. Why? Because I think they went to Trump during this wiretap investigation when Felix Sater worked for him. And I think they put Felix Sater in there. They turned Felix and said, we want Trump. Not necessarily because the FBI is all a bunch of good people and they want to take down criminals. I think they want to know where all that money is so they can get access to it. I think they want the money. I think they want to know where the Russians are hiding stuff in America besides real estate and the stock market. Because this government is hemorrhaging in debt right now. They're in bad trouble at all levels of government. And I think the CIA, the FBI, Congress, all of them, they want that money. I mean, look at asset forfeiture. They take your stuff because they found you with, you know, a, a joint in your car. So they arrest your car and let you go. Why? Because that's how cities fund their operations is through asset forfeiture. And I think that's what they're doing here. They don't care about Russian money laundering. They just want the money. They want to get their hands. The American government wants to get their hands on that money. And that's what this is about. And I think they sent Felix Sater in there as an informant. He got the goods on Trump, and they went to Trump, and they said, here's the wiretap. We've got you. Now you work for us and the Russians. You're going to tell us where the money's at. You're going to tell us what's going on here. And I think the globalists put him in the White House so that he can turn the tables on the Russians and, and, and to draw everyone into a conflict that will eliminate a lot of people who know too much on both sides of the ocean. And I think that their intent is eventually a world war, the globalists. 
I, I think they want to get rid of a lot of people. And I think that they've got Trump in there as their card. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily an enemy of the deep state. I think he, he hates them to a certain degree, but it's like the same way a hooker hates her pimp. You yeah. know, she's got to make a living, but she doesn't like giving her cut to her pimp. Well, Trump is the hooker, and the deep state is the pimp. And they're telling him, get out there and shake your moneymaker. We want money. And he's like, oh, geez, i got to go do this again. Can I just keep my money? You know. Now, I think that's what's happening here. And this has got everyone within this deep state divided. Because like I said, you've got the hardliners that want war with Russia. You've got those that want business as usual. Now, let's just get along with Trump. Let's just keep letting everybody launder their money. Then you've got those who are right underneath the big shots who uh, maybe they're opportunists. They want to make a name for themselves as a law enforcement agent. So they're like, hey, if I can take down the Russians and Trump and all of it all together, boy, you know, I might be a presidential candidate. I mean, you've got those types in there, too, involved in all this. Well, what about China? What do you think? How do they fit into all this? Oh, you broke up there. What? Oh, sorry. What do you – what do you – how does China fit in all this? You said not to worry about North Korea, but what about China? They can't be too happy about Russia and America sort of having this uh, cold financial war. Yeah, well, the, the Chinese are worried because, you know, their economy is cooling, and they, owe, they own $1.2 trillion in treasury bills. They don't like what's going on. They don't like this mess at all because, hey, they might be chai comms, but they're still businessmen, and – you know, they just assassinated one of their billionaires who was screwing with their economy. Yeah, they seem like they're going to just wait and pick up the pieces when it's all yeah. said and, and they're, they're and they're try Yeah, they're very patient compared to Russians and Americans. They're very patient. They want to stay as neutral as they can. They're playing both sides of the line with North Korea. They support North Korea, but they support our sanctions. Their government is telling Kim on, you know, hey, cool your heels, stop shooting off missiles. Then they're telling the Americans, please back off, no more sanctions, we've got this, blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're, they're trying to appease both sides of the fence. And in the end, I don't think they need to because I think the real target is Syria. And I think they desperately want to take out Bashar al-Assad. And all of this goes back to 911 because it's all about getting that oil line from Afghanistan down through Iran, across Iraq, into Syria, out to the ports. So they can offload the oil to both Israel and the U.S. and, and, and Western uh, uh, Europe. The reason why is because Russia is making inroads into Western Europe. They're already selling the Western Europeans natural gas. Now they want to sell them oil, and the American oil people are like, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. We want to control the oil in Western Europe. And the problem is, is the insurgents who are just normal Iraqi citizens tired of U.S. presence in their country are blowing up the oil lines. Well, they got the one in Afghanistan done to the border of Iran, but the Iranians are saying, you want to do what? No, you're not going to put an oil pipeline through our country. So now we're trying to destabilize Iran so that we can take them over, complete the pipeline through there. And that's why Trump wants to go back into Iraq, by the way. He wants a recommitment to Iraq because they want to finish the pipeline, take out Bashar al-Assad, and there's plenty of news articles for people that can read both Farsi and Arabic where uh, Bashar al-Assad is saying the Americans will not put an oil pipeline through my country. It's not going to happen. He said that in 2009. So that tells you what they were doing there. 
There are maps of this pipeline online. You can find them at a lot of websites, uh, including even conservative uh, political think tanks in Washington, D.C. There's the Rutherford Institute. uh, There's a couple of others. And just type in uh, Afghan-Syria transnational pipeline, and it will come up and it will show you. And some 911 researchers picked up on this, and they, you know, they figured out pretty quickly, you know, what 911 was really about. Well, it was a multi-pronged attack. One was to stop the investigation into money laundering and everything else that America and Israel and Saudi Arabia were doing, but they also needed that pipeline. They want to control the oil flow in the world. They do not want Russia getting a foothold in Western Europe. The problem is, is Russia can offer offer Western Europe a better deal than, than America will. Yeah. The limits of debate in this country are, are established before the debate even begins, and everyone else is marginalized. They're made to seem either to be communists or some sort of disloyal person, a kook, there's a word. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. And now it's conspiracy. See, they've made that something that, that, is, that is, uh, sh- should not be even entertained for a minute, that powerful people might get together and have a plan. Doesn't happen. You're a kook. You're a conspiracy buff. So it all comes down to oil once again. That's depressing yeah. in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and all of these people that Trump has surrounded himself with, he's either very stupid or he has absolutely no control because all of the people that he put into power around him, all they've done is backstab him supposedly the entire time they've been in office. And look at how many people have been forced to resign. You know, I mean, just people, it's like a revolving door at the White House. People are going out the door as fast as they come in. And I think that what's happening here is that this is so obvious, just like with Bill and Hillary Clinton and Whitewater. It's so obvious, no matter how hard you try to hide the bodies in the forest, the bodies are just falling out everywhere. And I can't wait until researchers, and I'm working on this right now, like I said, I got 20 gigabytes of data, video, audio, government documents. I have a friend of mine in New York, and she's really good. She works for one of them little small newspapers, and she's trying to find out if there's any dead bodies around Trump, if anybody's disappeared. Now, there was one. There is no way to know for sure, but there is one person that disappeared when Trump was a child, long before he got into real estate or in graduated from high school, and it's believed by some, though not proven. Nobody's proven this yet that he was involved with the disappearance of a young girl who, who at 12 years old spurned him and didn't want anything to do with him. The thing is, is after her disappearance, and you will see this under the Trump biography and Wikipedia, that, you know, he had trouble as a child with girls and all this. After this girl disappeared, his father sent him to this military academy. And once again, Trump supporters have a mistaken view of him going to this military academy and they say that proves that he was actually in the military. No. It's a military, <laughs> Who says you know, that? Who kind of a moron? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a military academy for <laughs> troubled youth who have been in trouble with the law. Yeah. Okay? Like, dude, I don't, if I'm a cashier at the Salvation Army, that doesn't make me a veteran. Right. Yeah. And so the question I have to ask is this. Trump admits that he was in a lot of trouble as a child. He admits this, you know, it's in his blogs, it's in his tweets, all this. 
you know, I was really bad as a child. The question I have to ask is, how bad were you that you got sent to a reform school run by the State of New York National Guard? How bad were you to get sent there? I'm sure pretty bad if you were, like, super rich and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daddy, Daddy couldn't get him off? If all he did was steal bread from some Jewish break bakery, you, you you know you'd think, oh, that kid got off with a fine. You know, he paid the guy back and said sorry for stealing your bread. Even if he was involved with the gangs and he was just you know selling some ecstasy or whatever they had back in those days. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's Jesus, nothing. you're gonna sell fucking ecstasy. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, give me a break. He, you know, I mean, Bush admitted he got thrown in a national guard because he was inebriated while flying. Yeah. So it's like if Bush family can admit it and the Bush daughters got busted for uh, being high on cocaine, what's the problem with Trump saying, oh, okay, so I was high and, you know, I stole a car. My friends and I did. We're stupid kids. No, whatever he did is so bad that it haunts him to this day. And every shrink will tell you his treatment of women has nothing to do with you know, oh, my wife's a bitch, she's divorcing me, and she wants all the money, she wants everything. No, his deep-seated hatred of women goes back to childhood. Any shrink will tell you that. This is a long-standing thing, and a lot of it, a lot of people believe it has to do with his mother and his sister, his older sister. Woo, boy, I'll tell you what, her and, her and Hillary would probably be in a competition to see who could be the worst at behavior. And... uh but I think that whatever it is, it was something in childhood. Maybe it's this thing with this girl yeah. that disappeared. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just coincidental. Maybe it's another one of those things where, like I said, a drill is going on one side of New York and a real shooting is going on the other side. It's just coincidence. Yeah. But maybe not. We don't know. And she's doing desperate searches to try and get into his juvenile record, and she says, I'm not going to be able to do it. She goes, they're not going to justify it for me. As no matter how much I try to tell them, it should be a matter of public record. She goes, all juvenile records are sealed. Yeah. She goes, he would have to really do something bad as an adult on the level of what he did as a child to have them unseal it. And she goes, I don't see that happening. And she goes, I just don't think I'm, I'm going to get it, whatever it is he did. But there is a lot of rumors. And, you know, of course, he's lifelong friends with the Clintons. He's also lifelong friend with Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted pedophile. Trump's name does not come up in the black books, by the way, for anybody that was wondering about the Jeffrey Epstein's black books, but Trump has been known to use aliases just like Clinton did. However, the names that do come up are Ivanka's, Donald Jr., and Eric. Those are in the black books. Now, people say, what are the black books? These are people quest, shall we say, certain types of pleasures that are disgusting, okay? All right, yeah. And Tread carefully talk- here, William. <laughs> oh, Jesus, all yeah. right. Okay, so anyways, we've all seen the pictures of him on the Internet with his daughter, now with Ivanka. Now, people are going to say, but, oh, Bill, yeah, you're yeah. making too much of it. Well, what about his comment where he said the only thing him and his daughter have in common are or one of the things that his daughter and him have in common is stack. Ew. He said that right on CNN. Is I what? That. I'm sorry. I didn't, you, got, you cut he, out. Oh, I'm sorry. What do they have in common? He said one of the things that him and Ivanka have in common is sex. He said it right on CNN. Got the news footage. What? And 
and these Weird. Christian and these Christian right people, oh, the CIA green screened it or they did something like that. No, everybody knows about that. The dude is ultra creepy. Did you see during the election when he went up and tried to put his hand on his daughter's behind and Ivanka jerked away from him? I've got that footage too. Even his supporters question that on the blog. Yeah. What the hell was that about? What did he try to do? You know? Yeah, his relationship with her is creepy. I'll definitely say that. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the hell to make of that, but it's definitely yeah. it's definitely very creepy. He's just a yeah. creepy dude. I don't I don't see how yeah. people don't see him as creepy. He just he's yeah. fucking creepy, man. Well, you know what what our mothers used to say when we were kids. I'm sure your mother said it to you at one time, or even your dad. You're known by the company you keep. Oh yeah. If you if you hang out with drug dealers, people are going to think you're a drug dealer, even if you're not. If you hang out with the gangbangers, people are going to think you're a gangbanger. And if you hang out with both convicted and non-convicted pedophiles like Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein, people are going to think you're a pedophile. Well, that's why I'm happy to have you in my company, Bill, because uh, I think you're a wild child. <laughs> no, I have all my life been involved in the conspiracy because I – been a victim of conspiracy, and I've also been a participant, even though the conspiracy I was involved in was not bad. It, it was a good thing, you know. It's We helped a person, and we didn't let him know because he didn't want anybody helping him, especially friends, and we're like, you know what, we can help him out. We paid some of his bills, and he didn't know how to do it. Well, that's a good conspiracy, you know. We, you yeah, know, we that's like a, that's like a surprise out. party. How was that even a conspiracy? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, so, you know, but remember, the original meaning of the word conspiracy in Greek is Christo, which means to breathe together, is the original uh, meaning of the word conspiracy. So it has a, a very innocuous uh, meaning, but of course, you know, in today's terms, we know it to be pretty dark and prevalent. Yeah. And, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I've been a victim of a conspiracy. It was like, you know, some massive conspiracy. But, you know, I had some kids that were the bullies of the school when I was a kid, and they they wanted to gang up. And I wasn't the only one they conspired against. They played games with other kids, and I just held my ground and said, you know, you are not going to bully me. You're not going to overrun me. And they, they stole this kid's bag full of his books and then tried to say it was me and told him that if they said it was them, they'd beat him up. And his dad showed up at my parents' house and told my mom, I'm going to beat his ass if I find out he did do it. My mom's like, what? You know, and so she called the school and they called the police and they finally got these four kids to admit, yeah, they stole his bag and so they all got suspended and everything and the father came and apologized, but that just goes to show you, you can be conspired against. You know, you can have people do things against you that, you know, you didn't have anything to do with it, just for whatever reason, uh, somebody thought they could get money out of you, like blackmail, or you know, just because they didn't like you, they thought you could, they could set you up. You know, right, now right. take that now now take that up to the government level, and you're speaking out against the president or the CIA. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say, hey, I got some heavy duty white paper on these guys. I think I can get some media attention. Next thing you know, they find drugs in your car, and the cops are arresting you. Going, hey, I don't do drugs, cop. Yeah, yeah. You know, and next thing you know, you're getting <laughs> set up, you know, and you're going, hey, wait a minute. All I was doing was exposing corruption in government. Well, that's, you know, yeah, that's that's how it all began. And that's they're like, hey, guess ends. what? You were right. Yeah. But in the case of Trump, I will admit I have a personal interest 
and seeing this guy do some serious lovemaking in the federal prison with oh, Buffalo. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, dude. I, I, part of me thinks that he's never going to see a day in jail. I think he's, like, too old. He's going to, like, they're going to, like, uh, just sort of shuffle him off like a Ronald reagan type thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, part of me also says, like, that he seems cogent enough that it, that I, I think I was sort of intimating this earlier, but we didn't go down this path, but it's like um, the whole thing is, like, if they take him out of office um, – some people are going to freak out, I think. Oh, yeah. You like the super the Trump fans are going to, like, fucking freak out. Oh, yeah, they are. They already are. Yeah, I mean, for sure, yeah. Now, 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 look at this. You've got guys like Alex Jones, who I just I, – I had to quit listening to him because he gave me migraines. I mean, he really did. I just – I can't do this anymore. I can't listen to this guy. Yeah, he's in town. Um, he is a massive Trump supporter. And Roger Stone, you know, helped form Trump's campaign. Well, everybody does know that Roger Stone was the CIA, and he was involved in Watergate and a bunch of other things for the CIA. What is a guy like Roger Stone doing cohorting with Trump and Alex Jones? Well, here's a little tidbit about Alex Jones. As you know, he's divorced. Yeah. Okay? Most people do not know that his wife, who goes by the name Kelly, her real name's Violet, is a dual American Israeli citizen. This came out in the divorce hearings. She went back to Israel as soon as she got divorced. She wanted to take the kids. He fought, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is look up her background. She, her background's available on Wikipedia, just like his is. And you're going to find out that her father was in the Israeli Mossad. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh-huh. Now, why would Trump... Why would Alex Jones be supporting somebody like Trump when all Alex Jones does is talk about how evil the government is and the government's the new world order and they're out to get us all and take our money? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just not even to get in – yeah, to, to sidestep yeah. the Israeli part of it. It's just like his whole pivot from like the government is is trying to – you know, is, is, is oppressive – now he's yeah. like they're trying to. Now he's like they're trying to take down the government. It's like a complete. He's on a complete 180, and it's to me, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of people that are super Trump fans, and God bless them. But at the same time, it's who, who are like a part of this conspiracy world, and it's like in my mind, he's not like an ally to this shit. He's not. A, he, he could have if 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 if, if, if he really. Wanted to blow the whistle on like nine eleven or something. He could have done it. He would have done it in the last year. He could have done it in the last year. It's like, oh yeah. Isn't this, I don't believe in this like eight dimensional chess where he has to go through six different layers and hoops and things to, before he can reveal the truth about nihilism. It's like, no, give me a fucking break. Yeah, I mean, there's there's people that uh, that have revealed nine one one already for what it is. I mean, they you know they've been out there. These are the architects and engineers, all these guys who are pilots, military and civilians who are experts in this, structural engineers. What does Trump need to do otherwise? I I, I, I think, if anything, he's sheep-dipped, but I think Alex Jones is too. And, and basically the take that everyone ha- has in Austin on Jones is that he either works for the U.S. government or he works for the Israeli government. That's yeah. the take. Because you do know he has Israeli bodyguards, ex-Mossad. Oh yeah. Take a take a look at some of the photos of these guys. These guys are definitely Israeli, and they're definitely ex-Mossad. He don't go anywhere now without these bodyguards. Why? Why does Alex Jones need a bodyguard? What you know? Yeah, that's you know. like sort of like all that's all part of the show in a sense too, though you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what's happening. Like I said, I think that these people though they're going to freak out. 
That's that's yeah. the point. We never got into that, but yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like, well, he, it, I mean, what do you think? Do you, like, we saw that like Charlottesville thing. That scared me in a sense because it was like, I don't want people like getting violent on these two sides. You know what I mean? Right. It's like I hate right. Trump, but I'm not going to fucking really do anything about it. Cause yeah. I, <laughs> no, I, like, I, I'm I just incredibly I just, lazy. I just, uh, I just I just let the idiot bury himself. He does it every right, day. Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, I just sit, I just sit here and watch these fools implode, and I play Call of Duty while having the TV on at the same time. And every time Trump comes on, I flip him the middle finger and say, "You're done, you're done." You know. Right. But anyway, right, right. on the deal of the Trump supporters, I've seen them on Facebook, and oh man, are they crazy? You know. If they if they remove Trump from office, that's it. We're going. We're going to go take down the government. You know, I'm like, oh, please. You guys have been saying this ever since Clinton was in office. You're going to take down the government. I'll tell you what these militia and super right-wingers are going to do. They're going to sit down. They're going to play Call of Duty, drink their beers, and they're going to read another Tom Clancy novel and think they're Jason Bourne. That's what they're going to do. But some of them might go crazy. Some of them might go off the deep end and do something stupid. That I have no doubt about. But the majority of them are just, they need to quit, you know, doing what they did when they were teenage boys, and they need to grow up, you know? (laughs) A lot of them are still teenagers and shit, too, I think. Yeah. You know, like, I go on some of these, I go on Reddit and shit, and it's, like, very, you know, a lot of these passionate people are, like, 19 and shit. It's, like, what are you talking about, you know? Especially, like, in the conspiracy uh, discussions and shit. It's, like, like I read one guy, he was, like, he's, like, I've been... I've been deep into conspiracy now for like two years. I'm 19. I started reading it when I was like, you know, 17 or 18. It's like, listen, folks, here's a tip. Don't do that. It makes you really jaded. It's like, dude, I'm almost 40. No shit. I don't need that kind of advice. On <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, you can't give anyone advice if you're 19, dude. Like, just shut yeah. up. Yeah. But anyways, looking at Trump versus Clinton, this is another thing that really gets me about the Trump supporters. All these women have come forward to accuse Trump of, you know, rape and and even incest. Some of them were underage. What none of them read is some of the lawsuits that he actually lost against uh, two of these women about 10 years ago. He lost some of the civil lawsuits. So. For people to say, you know, he's never been convicted, he's never, you know, it's like, go read the lawsuits. I pull them out of the, out of the, uh, uh, the state Supreme Court dockets. You can pull them down for free. You don't even have to pay for them. And you can get those and you can show the only thing they did was they sealed the settlements that he actually paid out, how much money he paid. Yeah. Anytime he loses a lawsuit, he seals how much he pays out. When he wins, he lets the whole thing out. But when he loses, you know... He uh, he seals the record. Now, the question I have for these people on the right with Trump, remember that he's lost two lawsuits already against these women. The other women claim that he threatened them and scared them off. How is that any different from Bill Clinton? Remember, the Christian right <laughs> yeah, is yeah, accusing yeah. Bill Clinton, oh, he's a rapist. Really, he was never convicted of it. These women came out of the woodwork only after he became president. Now, some of them you know, were actually accusing Bill Clinton before he became president, but most of them came out afterwards. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with Trump. So how is Trump any more innocent than Bill Clinton is guilty? You know, that's what I want to Right, right, we're right. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you there. Yeah, yeah. They're all, like I said before, it's like the lesser of two evils and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, now, let me let me sort of wrangle you in a little bit. Uh, Adam Go Rightly, uh, uh, my friend on Twitter, he's an author, he's a great dude. He wants to know if you know anything about Tuesday Weld. 
Have you heard about this? Like, there's a, a long-standing like sort of Tuesday Weld cult conspiracy thing. I don't know if you ever looked at that. I'm not familiar with that one. All right, I didn't think so because it's very, uh, it's very sort of obscure. But uh, he is—he's uh, the master of that kind of thing. And uh, yeah. somebody actually asks—they have a serious question here, which I really don't. I, I was like, I read it. I'm like, that can't even be a serious question. But they said I'm being serious. Would you? Would, would you? Well, uh, William Zabel ever consider running for any government position? Would you ever run for office? No, never. Yeah, never. Yeah. It's, it, when I read that question, I'm like, that, that's so. I can't imagine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. In fact, uh, I'm slated to leave the United States here uh, probably in a couple of months. What? Uh, I I'm, uh, have German sense, and I'm going to get my citizenship in, in Germany. I have a girlfriend in Berlin. Oh. She works for the Simmons Corporation, and she's a, a laser technician. What? And right now she's work. Yeah, she right now she's working in New Zealand on a big project. Um, and I'm going to go because I don't like this crap in America. We've got too much debt. Everyone hates each other here. Everyone's at each other's throats. And I know Western Europe is bad. You hear all the stories, but I went to Berlin last year. And I think a lot of these stories about all oh, the Muslims have raped half the women in Berlin. Oh, it's a load of crap. That's yeah. all CIA propaganda to keep everyone, you know, going at the Muslim throats. Do they have problems? Of course they do. Is it as bad as the American uh, newspapers say? No, it's nowhere near it. And these are not even the mainstream papers. These are these right-wing rags yeah. run by so-called ultra-patriots who are all unemployed, but they have money to rent an office and run a printing press. Yeah, yeah. Now wait a minute. I need to, because I, you know, I'm fascinated, William. So wait, so yeah. you're moving to Germany. Yep. How did you meet this girl? Congratulations, ma'am. I'm yeah. proud of you. I'm um, happy for you. I don't know what to say. I'm 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 blown yeah. away. You know. Yeah, it was uh, year, years ago. Um, the she had come across my website when it was still active. She's kind of a conspiracy type, uh, you know, she, you know, the uh, Simmons Corporation, that's like you know, the German version of a CIA cutout, you know, and uh, we got to talking and she sent emails and everything, and she's kind of disappointed the website didn't stay up, and I said, well, you know, we all I work, you know, I work umpteen million hours, and, you know, it's kind of hard to keep the website up, and one thing went to another, and last year, I just I had had it with everybody in this town, the nonsense that goes on here. This is like Peyton Place where I live. I mean, there's nice people here. But some of these business owners, uh, our cops are so stupid, they don't even qualify to be Barney Fife. I mean, even Bar I would rather have, you know, don't, you know, I would rather have those actors here being real cops than these guys. They miss half the crimes that go on. They don't think anything's happening. Uh, I'm sick of the politics. My family hates me. They hate each other. Oh, no. Aunts, uncles, and cousins are all at each other's throats. They all hate each other, you know. And I'm just like, so I've you're had like, enough of, so, so, so is this like a, so this is like a romantic thing, though? Are you in love? Is this love? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm that's like, great. I'm like German woman. I'm the hell out of here. Fuck America was basically my attitude last year, and I got over there and I thought, well, I'll just fill out the paperwork now. And they said, no. You only have a 90-day Schengen visa for the Schengen area, uh, but this is going to take longer than 90 days. You're going to have to return home and wait. And I said, how long? And they said, probably a year or a little bit better. And I'm like, oh, my God. But while I was over there, um, I rented a BMW, and we drove all over, hit the nightclubs. Her 
dad is a Berlin police officer in the intelligence division. And we got to talking about things like 911 and all that. He yeah. Goes, oh, he goes, you have no idea what we know. He says, he says, your researchers hit it dead on as far as how the buildings went down and stuff. But he says, they don't know the real reason for it. He says, wars are just a little teeny percentage of it. He said, this was about oil and money and people going to jail, which is what that lawyer told me. Yeah. And we talked and talked and everything. And I didn't want to go home after a week. I was like, I don't want to come home. But unfortunately, I have international calling on my phone and everybody's calling, Bill, what the hell did you do? Where'd you go? And I'm like, what? I said, I want to stay here. And they're like, you got to come home. you got a business to run. And I'm like, I don't want to go home. <laughs> I really didn't. I'm blown away, dude. I'm blown away. This is yeah. amazing. Every time you're on here, you just fucking, you just amaze yeah. me. So yeah. what's going to happen to the car wash? Um, you know, it's the, the owner can find somebody else to, to, to run now. I, mean, I thought I you were the it. owner. Well, part owner. I oh. own half of it. He, he, he basically, on the new one up there, he bought the land and I built the building. And so it's a mutual deal. And I told him, I said, you know, I'll say you my half. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm bored. Um, You know, I I really wanted to go back to Hollywood. And and then I was like, no, there's too many skeletons in the closet there. I don't want to go back there either. Oh, Jesus. What do you mean? um, Oh, Christ. This is – we can go past the hour, right? Yeah. Oh, Oh, good. Because we got – all right. So you sold the other half. Did anyone ever show up from the show asking for a free car wash? No, uh-uh, no. You know, you people all disappoint me. I thought I thought someone in the listening audience would show up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Would show up and get a free hoping. free car wash. So. Yeah, I was hoping so too, but yeah, the the other one down south, uh I own that one, but that one I that one I own completely, but that that is so old and you know, it's like in gang territory. Where is that? That was one that was a real cheap car wash. And I told, I asked him if he wanted to buy that from me down there. And he's like, no, that's in gang territory. And I asked my cousin, he goes, I'm not buying that piece of crap, you know. And then I've got land in New Mexico. Jesus. Um, I've got, you know, land down in the San Luis Valley. And I want to sell all this stuff. And there's no buyers. There's no takers for all this. And, I want to get out, get out of all my stock. I own stock and GoPro cameras. If you, you know, you've heard of the. Oh GoPro yeah, I know cameras. GoPro. Yeah. You know, I own a lot of that stock, and it's like I want to sell all this. I just want to go to Germany, and everybody's like, the economy sucks, and it's like, oh, it's great. So I'm stuck with all this land, all these buildings. You know, <laughs> sell them to some Russians, it, dude. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> sell to the real. And so, anyways, you know, the the car wash up there. I mean, I think he, he, he's kind of him on, but I think he'll he'll buy out my part of it. And I mean, I got more money invested than he does. He don't. I mean, the land was nothing. It's just a piece of scrub next to a laundromat. That's Jeez. all it was. It's just I a just started GoFundMe among BOA listeners. And we'll buy the car wash. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just go. You know, just see if is it in operation to, still? Oh yeah, yeah. Is this the one yeah, that's I, called My Car Wash? Didn't you say you named it My Car yeah. My, my yeah. Car Wash? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I just handle everything that needs to be handled. This guy, I mean, he's just he's more like one of those silent investors. He's always over in Europe with his ski bunny wife and running that's around. That's going to be used and, someday soon. Yeah, I hope so because you know, I just you know, I just I see I see the dark signs coming on America, and I see. 
a bad economy, $20 trillion in debt, a military that's broken. We have people that are serving five, six, seven tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan, coming home with PTSD. You see them all over Denver, walking up down the streets. We've got a generation of millennials that they can't even find their ass with both hands. And this right. is the future of America. And if, the, if the millennials are the future, we're done. You know, yeah. we we better bake Putin to nuke us and get it over with because that would be a lot better end than what's coming. And the end I see coming is basically people, well, what you see right now living in the streets. You have people that work, single mothers that work, that can't afford rent because of people like Trump who keep flipping these properties and raising rent, and they're living in their cars with their kids, but they're working two jobs, got to stop somehow. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, that's why when I started thinking about leaving, I was telling this guy, I said, do you want to buy the whole car wash instead of just the land that you bought for me? Because, like I said, it basically I, I built the place and everything, and he just bought the land. And uh, he's like, well, yeah, I probably could. And, you know, but the economy, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm doing $700 a day. The other car washes are lucky if they're doing 50 bucks a day. I yeah. do better than anybody in town. I said, you wouldn't be getting a rotten apple here. Right. Uh, but my land in New Mexico is like 30 miles from the Mexican border, and nobody wants it. They're like, you're out in the middle of nowhere south of Deming, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a nice spot, you know. It's it's really cool out there, you know. And then down the San Luis Valley, I mean, that's 25 acres down there. And where it's at, unfortunately, is in the direct flight path of these overflights, you know, oh, that the Air Force does when they're doing their testing runs, their military operational area. And I was down there, and I'm looking up, and here goes these F-16s and F-18s. And I'm like, what? what? What is this, you know? I mean, how in the world would you build a house and live down there with those idiots flying over all the time? So that was a mistake purchase that I'm probably never going to be able to sell. And, you know, yeah, I've, well. got, I've got I've got so many cars here; it's not funny. I got a Honda Accord station wagon. I've got a '93 Trans Am. I've got a '98 BMW. You know, and I got a four wheel drive Chevy pickup, and it's like the Beamer. If I had a for sale sign on, and I thought people used to love BMWs, but for some reason, not anymore. Nobody wants that. How much are you selling the BMW for? uh, $3,600 on that, and that's, you know, my price with rebuilding the transmission. Uh, I had it rebuilt and everything, so basically I'm... $3,600 for a BMW, so that's... uh, Yeah. Well, listeners, that's your your cue, $3,600. I think there's somebody in the audience who uh, who could afford to buy William Zabel's BMW. So, especially yeah. somebody in the Colorado area. Yeah, and I just, you know, I was just looking at it, I'm like, you know, you, you see what's coming, and all you can think of is to run. And people are like, well, why go to Europe? And I'm like, because Europe is not $20 trillion in debt. Yeah, and it's you been know? around forever. It'll last longer. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's 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 it'll stand the test of time. Don't worry about her. Yeah. We're going to... Uh, we're, we're yeah. going to go past the hour. Uh, so, thanks to all the folks who've been in the chat room tonight. It's been it's been hopping, um, as I expected, with William Zabel in the house. Uh, so thanks to those folks, and thank you. We're going to keep going, William, but I'll just sort of do a little cut here for the uh, live audience. So thank you to uh, all the people who listened live. Um, me and William, we'll, we'll probably talk for like another twenty minutes or so. So uh, if you're listening live, be sure to uh, check out the MP3. 
And William, you don't have a you don't you don't you don't have the Columbine conspiracy website anymore. So you just uh, is it okay if we just bump people over to Facebook to see you? They're looking for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. William gets a little wild on Facebook. I spoke to him about it earlier in the show uh, off the air. He knows. He knows. He's a free. He's a wild child. That's what I said earlier. <laughs> he's a wild child. So. Yeah. You know, buyer beware. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest though, and my friend uh he said the same thing. He's not into this stuff, but I I uh had posted you were gonna be on the show and I linked with your thing and he he, he thought because it's very few people in this conspiracy thing that are like as vehemently anti Trump as you. He was like, I thought this guy was gonna be like crazy super Trump fan and then I go on there and it's like I guess he's not, he seems to hate him, so it's like yeah. kudos to you man for not being in lockstep on this. Because yeah. uh, I've seen a lot well, of people me. that are in lockstep, and it's like, this guy's not, you know. I said on the show with a different guest, it's like, if this guy's trying to overthrow the New World Order, it's like, I don't want the dude who isn't good enough to be in the New World Order to yeah. to run the new New World Order. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes well, sense. Well, the thing is, I wonder how close I came to being in the New World Order when I lived in L.A. and, you know, I mar- married into a show business family and my ex and I were invited out to the Bohemian Grove. And it's like, what the hell's that? I mean, that was in the mid-80s and it's like, what? Where's Did you that? go to you Bohemian know? Grove? No, because my, my mother-in-law found out and she goes, you're not going out there. And I said, well, what is it? You know, I, said, I mean, so what if they got some drugs or whatever out there? And she goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I said, Tell me, and she set us down, and I said, "What?" And she'd gone out there yeah. back when she married my father-in-law in the seventies, and she says, "You stay the hell away from that stuff." She goes, "That is dangerous," and we we don't even know who invited us. We never knew. Yeah. It was just some lady at a party. She says, "Oh," she goes, "I got a place you guys, you know, should go party at." We had no idea what it was, and I've always wondered, you know. How did I get in contact with some of these people that I don't know, was never interested in anything they did? Why would they be gunning for me? Well, over the years, as I've talked to other researchers, uh, Russ Dizdar and, and others, and I, tell, and I start telling them about my background, the first thing they do is they go, you were in what in high school? And I said, "Be Malay. And they go, and you were in the Masons after high school? I said, Yeah. And they said, well, you know, and I said, yeah, but I said, you know, people talk and say these organizations are part of it. And they said, how high are you going? I said, first degree, and it was so stupid, I quit. And they said, well, that was a good thing for you. Uh, My grandfather was a lot higher up than me. My grandmother was a grandworthy matron, you know, of Eastern Star, you know, of the big Denver chapter. And my mother was a rainbow girl in Eastern Star. And I was like, you know, I read the the books on this stuff, and I thought, eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know, I know all organizations are going to have their hierarchy at the top that do things that are nasty that they don't tell the rest of the people. Yeah. I mean, look at the Boy Scouts, you know. Right, um, right, right. You know, so I thought that doesn't demonize all of them. But then when you go and look at corporate America, and it's like, hey, wait a minute. All these guys high up in corporate America are all Freemasons. They're all Masons. Is that? coincidence or do you have to be in one of these organizations to go high up anywhere in government or uh, corporate America? I almost think and, you do because it's like I'm not in one. Yeah. I ain't doing shit. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you know but I mean? anyway, for you can you can tell people this. I don't, we're, we're we're on the air, man. It. We're still on the. We're not oh, well, live, but we're okay. recording. So oh shit. Okay. Yeah, I thought you knew that. Okay. You didn't say anything. Well, anyway, now you didn't want anyone to know, right? No, I, no, I that's right. I, I just I want to let your listeners know if they're if they're trying to figure out why I'm so anti-Trump. And I told you earlier it was personal with me. Let me tell you why it's personal. Oh, you didn't My, mention. Okay, I don't know if you did. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I mentioned it was personal with me, but then I think we went on to something else. So I find that very easy to believe. So okay, so how did yeah. you? Uh, how was it personal between you and Trump? Anyways, what happened was my mother-in-law sent my wife and I to New York. She wanted to open uh, uh, an equipment rental place in New York for uh, the film and television community. Um, she was one of those types that she has to get into every market. Blah blah blah. So we're like, okay, fine. So we got we got an apartment in uh, Manhattan, and we're looking around, and we're looking through the papers. You know, the Internet was non-existent back then, so you had to go through the papers. We were going through everything, and finally we find this uh, building. It's a warehouse, not a very big one. We're like, oh, maybe she'll like that. Let's do it. And she says, yeah, go see. So we went to a place called 44 Wall Street, yeah. and this was a leasing office that leased these properties. And this lady's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to like this. Oh, yeah, you can set it up, and customers can come in. There's a front area that's retail, and you can set equipment up in the windows so people can see it. And, you know, all these bohemians, New York film students, they can see your equipment, come in and rent it. Oh, yeah. So she had us going. We're like, oh, yeah, this this is going to work out great. So the purchase price was $500,000, not bad considering it's New York, but, you know, it's not in the best part of town, but it's a warehouse district, so we figure, what the hell? You know, kids will go anywhere to rent cheap equipment for their student films, so we figure, what the hell? It's not bad. So my mother-in-law got the money ready. She transferred it, and then the lady says, oh, you've got to go down to the city and county office, and she goes, you have to get your own certificate of occupancy. And we're like, what's that? <laughs> we had no idea what that was. Okay, well, we'll go down there. So we went down there, and we're in line, and we got our paperwork, and we walk up to the counter, and we said, we need a certificate of occupancy. And, and she goes, well, fill out this form. you got to tell us what kind of business it is, the address. you got to go through all this. Come, you know, uh, what is your, you know, do you have any dangerous chemicals or anything like that? All this stuff you have to fill out. So we filled everything out. We got back up to the counter, and she uh, typed it in, you know, back then the computers are a little slow-ass IBM, you have to wait forever, so we're sitting there and we're sitting there and she goes, wait a minute, she goes, is this address correct? And we looked at the monitor and we said, yeah. She goes, how did you get this building? We went into a leasing office and they had some property available, we saw it in the newspaper Right, right. and right. my mother-in-law transferred the money, we bought it. She goes, you can't have this building, it's condemned. She goes, how did these people get this building? And they said, they told us we bought it from the city of New York. That's what they told us. And she goes, no. She goes, that building belongs to the Port Authority. She goes, it's to be condemned and torn down. And we're like, oh, crap, we got ripped off. You know, we're we're mad just like anybody else, you know, that gets ripped off. We had no idea Trump owned this company. No idea at all. You know. Did you get your money back? No, we never did. My mother-in-law sued, and it basically uh, 
Trump fought her for a year, and I don't know if he did it personally or his lawyers did it or somebody else, but we basically got told to go do ourselves. You know, go screw yourself. You're not getting your money back. So we gave it to my mother-in-law. I mean, her lawyers are, you know, big time in L.A., so we thought she would handle it. And we stayed a few more months, and that's uh, and partied and had a good time, and that's when we found out that Trump owned that. Yeah. building and the leasing office in there. And we're like, well, that guy's kind of a shyster. We knew he was, you know, everybody knew even back in the 80s he was kind of a... Yeah, every, I, yeah like, everybody in New York yeah. knows he's And then it was yeah. like, well, this this sucks. You know, we're you know we're getting ripped off here. We didn't do anything wrong. We did everything in good faith. We gave the money. You know, it's not like we asked the guy to finance it or anything. My mother-in-law paid cash. She wire transferred the money. He got his money. We got the building. It's just that he wasn't supposed to have it. And that, I find out, is a common theme with him. He has properties in New York that are legally condemned, that were uh, condemned by the city of New York, and some of them are actually owned by the city of New York. So how did he get them? So anyways, that's my personal vendetta against him. Whether he personally knew that he was ripping us off or not, he has a history of ripping people off. He has Absolutely. a history. Yeah, yeah. He has a history of not paying his contractors. He has a history of not paying his employees. He sexually harasses his female employees. He told the woman at Mar-a-Lago, you know, she, he goes, "Why are you putting on weight?" And she goes, "Well, I'm pregnant." And he goes, "You're fired." You know, uh, so I, I just see him as the bane of everyone's existence. He is yeah. just somebody that needs to disappear into the swamps in Florida and live there. You know. I'll let him go live with the alligators because that's where he belongs. But I, it's like I've told all, I said, if I have to personally go to Washington, D.C. and sit on, a, on the White House lawn with a sign that says, you corrupt piece of shit, you will leave this White House in handcuffs if I'm the one that has to do it myself, I'll do it. <laughs> I've got enough money to spend a couple of months in D.C. <laughs> you know, wow. I'll sit there on the White House lawn with a sign saying, this guy rips everybody off. And you think he's not ripping you off as president? Think again. Now, you said you were thinking about going to Hollywood, but you're going to go to Germany instead, which is a fascinating, yeah, and that was, you know, this yeah, is that like a, what could have been, you know? Well, the fact is I was in Hollywood for a while. I, I lived there. I was married oh, yeah, to a Hollywood family. Yeah. And so, but I wanted to go back because I really wanted to you know, get back into that life. And that was right before my mother died. And my mother's like, don't go back there. She goes, you don't need that crap anymore in your life. She goes, you know, that's part of your past. Just, you know, let it go and go on and do what you're doing now. Or I got to ask you, William, I got to ask you this, because uh, I'm going to jump in here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, because this ties to like all we've been talking about tonight, too, because we've been catching up yeah. on these conspiracies since the last time I talked to you. And it's like, I'm really... All this, like, sex shit makes me very uh, uneasy, but we can't, you know, we were remiss without discussing how there's, like, these, there's two now sex conspiracies, I guess you'd say. There's this Pizzagate thing, which is a continuation of the whole 80s um, child sacrifice, child, child shit, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff. That was yeah. in the 80s. Now it's like being reborn in this new generation with Pizzagate. But then yeah. I think that's kind of overblown and crazy. But then it, it's been mirrored by this this real, um, you know, sexual conspiracy that's sort of like coming out, out of Hollywood. And, of course, that's that's why I want to – what's why I bring it up to you because, you, you know, you, you're my man in Hollywood, so you would yeah. know. Um, I'm sure 
you know, like I said, this is why this shit makes me uneasy. I don't want you, like, telling me some crazy story about, <laughs> well, I would like to hear the story, but I don't want you to implicate anybody or anything like that. But I'm sure no. you've, you know, you were in Hollywood, man. I'm sure you, you can say, I get the feeling you're going to say, you know, the, 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 the depraved shit you're hearing now is like the tip of the fucking iceberg, right? Well, I th- I think it is, but once again, I'll, I want to reiterate that it's just like government. Not everyone in Hollywood is involved in this stuff. This right, is right. a this is an elite within the elite of Hollywood, and there are definitely people out there that I know uh, who have no problem with having sex with underage people. You know, whether it's a forty-year-old uh, movie director banging some sixteen-year-old or even younger. They don't see a problem with it. And then there's those who are totally crazed, who are the absolute worst of anybody that you could think of who's a a child diddler. And these are the people, power, these are the persuado religious types in Hollywood. Pseudo, they They believe that, you know, if they have sex with this virgin, you know, this 10-year-old virgin, it's going to give them power. You know, it's going to give them, you know, vitality or whatever. There are those types. In Hollywood, but there's yeah. also those types in government and academia. You'll find those everywhere. And if you look up in criminal science, you'll see that criminal uh, profilers uh, within the pedophile groups have different categories of pedophiles. Uh, you have, you, of course, you have the base ones that just, uh, you know, it's just a sickness with them. They just can't help themselves. Uh, then you have the ones that. You know, it's, you know, they're just like, well, you know, she was just there at the party. Yeah, so she's underage, whatever. And then you have these real crazy, crazy types, you know, and within these crazy types is where you find the child sex rings, the child pornography rings. These are the guys. Yeah, like the occult end of it and shit. Yeah, they do it for the money and the power. And unfortunately, I had been to parties where, you know, these types were at. And as soon as we saw things getting weird, it's like, hey, there's some underage girls here. Let's go. You yeah. know, my ex was like, yeah, we got to get out of here. Um, Roman Polanski was a minor case compared to some of the others. I mean, right. uh, there, are, there are some that are way over the top. Demi Moore, in case you've never seen the video, that was released by, I don't, I can't remember who, was it her housekeeper or somebody else that released the video uh, where she's tongue in some 10-year-old boy, and she wow, was Jesus. liking her, yeah, she was liking her late 30. It was, it was right after she did G.I. Jane, and it was a movie she did right after that, one of those family-type movies, and it was some, they were screwing around. It wasn't actually a scene for the movie, but they were rolling with the camera, and she's tonguing a 10-year-old boy, Jesus. and they say that that is what finally destroyed her career and her marriage was when that came out. So that came out like 2004. It didn't make wide circulation on the Internet, and then all of a sudden somebody got a hold of it and put it on YouTube. There are definitely some weird types like that, and uh, there are some of them that don't care who knows because they think they're insulated from prosecution. Uh, you have Michael Jackson. I mean, that thing was so bizarre with him mm. that it just, you know, and he, God only knows who he was involved with at the top. Now, maybe he was just a low-level player, and Stoney decided to, to save their top asset by covering for him. I don't know. But, you know, 
uh, any man who, you know, admits, oh, yeah, all these little boys slept in the same bed with me, but we didn't do anything. And it's like, well, when you were being accused, you got on a with these boys and tried to get them out of the country, and you went to Costa Rica and other countries. What was that all about if you're not guilty of anything? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that does and, that's weird, yeah. You know, and so you have this group. Now, Pizzagate, I always wondered about. I was like, was that overblown, and it was just like one or two cases of pedophilia, and and uh, because supposedly Podesta and, and Hillary were involved, the right built it up into this massive pedophile conspiracy? I don't know. Um, it, it I don't know. Yeah, up. the whole thing seems – that thing seems to me like it was a lot of uh... – uh, a lot of smoke and no fire. It was a lot of like people connecting dots that were like not really there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean the whole basis for it is like there's a secret code. It's like, huh, you know, I'm sorry, I yeah. don't think there's a secret. Like if there's a secret code, you don't use like normal words. You don't like you say like it's not like water. <laughs> like water yeah. is a terrible secret code word because it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like wind. It's windy out. What? <laughs> Yeah. You want me to order a hooker for you? No, dude, I'm just saying it's windy out. It's like, oh, well, the code, you know. I mean, how many times yeah. did they actually want pizza? And and then, they, you know. Yeah. And then they send over and then they send over a bunch of sex slaves. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, we're trying to feed a <laughs> we're, tr- we're trying to feed a, a meeting here, dude. We need actual pizza. Yeah. You know, Ter- terrible yeah. code words is what I'm yeah. saying, William. Um, you know, if, if people want to see the real Dirt, the real dirtiness, you know, the John DeCamp thing up there, that That's shows amazing. what was yeah. really going on. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've, talked, I've talked to John DeCamp many, many times. He came down here on the Columbine issue and everything, and we talked. And he said he finally just had to get out of it. He said his life was being threatened and everything. He said, I just, you know, I finally had to drop it. You know, he said that, he says that gets so dangerous. He says if Columbine evolves into that, that uh, what some families were saying that Harris and Klebold, uh were diddled as children and maybe, even, and maybe even raped by supposedly, according to one witness in Jefferson County, by a sheriff's deputy, he says, you need to get out as fast as you can. Drop the research and run because he says, you get into that, those people, cops, whoever, they will kill to keep up covered up. I would imagine. They, yeah, he says they're not going to let you walk away with that information if you get it. So he says if you find it, run. Well, I never did find it. It was just one witness that claimed, yeah. you know, that he saw Harris getting bent over the hood of a police car. And, you know, ah, yeah, I remember you telling about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I always questioned that and thought, how the hell do you keep that covered up? You know, pedophilia comes out every day. Teachers are getting busted. Cops are getting busted. Right. How do you keep that covered up? And so... I kind of let that aspect of Columbine go, especially when, you know, you've got some type of military operation going on inside the school. You've got these men dressed in black on surveillance cameras and people seeing them. The kids are seeing these guys running back and forth shooting. I'm kind of like, I think Harrison Klebold were just a couple of Lee Harvey Oswalds that were mad at being arrested, and they use these two kids to say they did it, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to make a challenge. That's... I'll challenge you, William, because uh, okay. the 20th anniversary is next year, right? Yep. I want you to take your stuff and and get it out there finally in sort of like a packaged form. Because, I mean, the website, okay. you don't even have the website up anymore, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
You're like there was another guy that was into the Columbine conspiracy, but he uh, he left the country too. He kind of vanished. So I, I've never really. Uh, I oh, was that it? Was that uh, Justin Tribble? Was I that think him? it may have been. It may have. Yeah. Been. But I I'm don't. Not I don't understand what happened to him. He said something. He's he's friends on Facebook, and he said something that. You know, he said something wrong to somebody, and cops got called or stuff like that. There was a dude who made a movie. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I can't find it, but uh, yeah, there was a guy that made a movie about the Columbine conspiracy, and uh, yeah. and uh, I, I wanted to get him on the show after I talked to you, but it was like uh, he said he was like in fucking Zimbabwe or some African country. He like left the country. He was doing missionary work, some shit, something like crazy like that. Yeah, and I kind of lost track of him after that. Well, I know there's a a pastor down in South Africa, and he he thinks that uh, like me, and he's 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 onto this thing with a lot of these uh, people who claim to be victims of shootings and are not, and he actually believes that people that were killed at Columbine are kind of like at Las Vegas, they're people we don't know, and that the victims they show on TV are are not the real victims. Hmm. Uh, I just kind of dismissed him a little bit, you know. Uh, I was kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. But he's a pastor down in South Africa, and he claims that near where he lives, there is a U.S. Marshals uh, facility there where there are uh, people in the Witness Protection Program. He says it's not supposed to be known, but just about everybody down here knows it's there. And he says there's people there that he's recognized from the United States that are that are living in hiding there. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, I'm not going to say it on Facebook, but he says we ever get to talk over the phone. He says I'll give you some names, but he says they monitor Facebook. But he says I. And I said, well, you know, you already told me you know names of people. You think they're not going to look at that and go, let's go down and talk to this guy? <laughs> I told him. I said, I said South Africa is not like the United States. You can disappear down there and nobody will ask questions. Right, you know, right, yeah. They'll find some lion eating your remains out in the desert out there, you know. They'll feed, <laughs> they'll feed, you, the, they'll feed you the big kitties or something, you know. What? And, uh, you know, you got to be careful down there. In America, we're kind of insulated. As long as we're public, we're probably safe. But oh, William, you, you say that, but then yeah, somebody said, then, somebody said, I guess it's a, it's an existential question, I, I guess, and uh, – yeah, I guess I I'd like to put it to you, but somebody was like, because you and I were talking about how it seems like the world is like worse than ever. Someone's yeah. like, isn't that always the case? But uh, and now in response to what you're saying about how like uh, up here we're we're kind of normal and something, like like they find that dude and his wife and they had like 13 kids chained oh, up yeah. in their house. It's like there's weird fucking crazy people everywhere, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it I think what it is in America is that. We have our corruption here, just like any other country, but because there's so much media here, because there's so many people watching, uh, the corrupt people have to be careful to a certain extent. Right. Unless you are absolutely so high level that you're right next to the Clintons or the Bushes and you've got their financial statements and you know where the drug money is, unless you're somebody like that, you're probably just going to get denounced as a conspiracy nut or whatever. It's the people that are really high up in these areas, you know, like Seth Rich and these other guys, you know, that have access to this stuff. These are the guys that disappear. Now, that doesn't right. mean they didn't try to disappear me. There were a few times, you know, that I thought you got people, disappeared after that time we talked to you originally. Yeah. You vanished well, for like five years. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a lot of things going on, and, 
uh, I, I got followed every time I went to Jefferson County. There were damn cops that followed me around. And finally I got out one day. I said, what? You know, and they're like, well, we're supposed to watch you. You know, you're considered dangerous. And I'm like, if I'm dangerous, arrest me. Otherwise, leave me alone. Yeah, you're they were doing They were doing this to a bunch of guys uh, from uh, uh, Rocky Mountain gun owners who were going down there, and they were protesting the anti-gun majors after Columbine, and they, Jefferson County was following them around and harassing them, and they said, you know what, you need to knock it off. We're going to sue, you know. Right, right. And I thought, well, let's lay low for a while. Let's try to put the documentary together, try to put the book together. And then one thing led to another, and people, you know, were saying, well, what about all this other stuff you've researched? And, I'm, you know, and I've researched a lot of things, Virginia Tech, yeah. Sandy Hook, and people are saying, well, you know, uh, can you give me information on that? So I was always bundling stuff up. You should launch a blog DVD. or something, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, really I mean, people to, really like yeah. you a lot. They want to hear what you have to say. And you're yeah. colorful. You have some really colorful opinions on things. I mean, you know I don't agree with you on all this stuff or a lot of this oh, stuff. Oh, no. no. And I, don't like, I can have everyone... a civil conversation with you about it, and, and I enjoy yeah. your perspective on things. Yeah, I you know, and I know everyone's not going to agree with me on everything. I, I even have people get on Facebook about Columbine and say, Oh, come on, Bill, it had to be Harrison Klebold. And I'm like, did you read the documents where the kids were talking? It's not just me talking to them personally where they said they saw their suspects. It's they said it to law enforcement investigators. If you lie to a cop, you go to jail. You know, these kids, even under threat of arrest, they stuck to their story. I said, how do you explain that? You know, when the cops are sitting there going, well, we've only got evidence of Harrison Klebold, so we're going to ask you to sign this admonishment form. And they'd say, we're not signing Jack. We saw other suspects. We did not see Harrison Klebold, and that's it. And so when it comes to Columbine, they say, well, we've read the, uh, uh, the list of the uh, ballistics evidence, and there is no evidence of other suspects. And I said, well, what about the uh, cops and their bullets? Well, what do you mean? I said there was one cop that fired 137 rounds into the library. You really think with those kids laying on the floor that he didn't hit a few of them or that he didn't actually put some of them on the floor? I said, you do know the cops were there before Harrison Klebold started shooting. But where's that? In the documents. See, this is a problem is people don't read anymore, Tim. They just don't I agree, man. Yeah. Yeah. Read the documents. Look at the distances these two boys had to shoot from. They couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and almost everyone there on the outside of the school describes people that are other than Harrison Klebold, including the adults who I tracked down to Jefferson County to the fire department. It turns out he was working undercover for John Stone, and he was trying to get close to all these kids, and the fact is... He turned out to be somebody completely different than everybody knew. He was a former Army Ranger who got defrocked in the Army, going under an assumed name, working in the police de- or working in the fire department. What does that tell you? Undercover operation of some kind. Right. You have you have both sets of parents who are involved in big money people. Their uh, uh, Wayne Harris was involved in flight safety. They created simulators for the stealth fighters. Everything they did was top secret. You had uh, Thomas Klebold. Uh, He was involved in a lot of things, and it turns out that he's working for the FBI. I've got him on video taken by a BBC reporter 
who was there, who happens to be a big researcher, who, guess what, died four years after the Columbine uh, uh, shooting. He was found on the side of Highway 85 in his car and a heart, with a heart attack, and he is the one that I verified with him the footage, and I said, who is this on the passenger side? And he says, I'll tell you who it is. It's Thomas Klebold. He says, what the hell is the father, one of the suspects, doing dressed like an FBI agent being escorted off the property? And I said, that's a good question. Yeah. Four years after we had that discussion, he ends up dead on the side of the road of a heart attack. Now, he did have an alcohol problem. So people are going to say that's, you know, that's what caused it. And he was on the same network that I was a guest on, he had a show on the network. And he was talking about what we talked about on Columbine. He was talking about Virginia Tech and how this kid couldn't have done the shooting, that the doors to the school were locked from the outside. Somebody chained the doors after he went in with the gun, locked him in there with all those kids, and, you know, and this went on and on, and then all of a sudden, you know, he ends up dead. And he's not the only one. I mean, we talked about Gary Webb. Gary Webb ended up dead, too, uh, because of his exposure of the CIA. There lots of researchers that, you know, end up shooting themselves in the back of the head, you yeah. know. You know, or they're found with uh, uh, jumper cables, you know, on their nipples tied to a battery, and, and, they're sta- and they're laying in water, and they did it to themselves because they were depressed and killed themselves. Well, yeah, normally I usually pay for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you have all, you have all these people dropping dead like this, and I'm I'm like Winston. I mean, they even even the most unconspiratorial person who does statistics determined that even two people who witnessed the Kennedy assassination and knew that the shots came from the grassy knoll, the chances of even two of those witnesses dying within ten years of the of that shooting of that assassination are a billion to one. And it being coincidence. Anytime you have witnesses disappear like that after those events, who were crucial witnesses in the case, who saw other suspects, that I mean, that's a cleanup operation. And even statisticians prove that with their statistics. You know. Yeah. Well, so that's why you have to. That's why you have to uh, get all this shit out there, man. That's why you got to write yeah. this book. You got to get. You know. Yeah. Well, the documents, um, they are, they're all PDF documents, and they're all built into a web page. So if anybody wants them, uh, all they got to do is give me their address, and I can send it to them on DVD, and it has an index page, and it will take you through all the documents. And the pages in the PDF actually have a highlight that show you the kids that I talked to told the cops the same thing they told me, and it goes down the list. I also show you the ballistics evidence where they found weapons other than Harrison Klebold's at the scene. Uh, they, you remember I told you they found the AR-15 in Clements Park Lake and that one of the kids, his mother was a police officer, and she had an AR-15 missing from the trunk of her car. Are you surprised that this never like took off as one of the big conspiracy theories in a sense? Like it didn't really, you know, uh, Sandy Hook kind of like supplanted I, I, it as this like, uh, as the... I don't want to say like preeminent, but as the primary uh, school shooting conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
I, I was a little bit disappointed because Americans, even by the time Columbine happened, were very suspicious of their government, very suspicious of things like Iran-Contra, Whitewater, Oklahoma City. You know, a lot of Americans were all questioning that. Waco. Waco. But I think the problem with the school shootings is is that's too close to home for Americans. It's one thing if they if they're running drugs through Mena, Arkansas, or they kill some cult member in Waco, you know, or they kill some right winger at Ruby Ridge. But if the government is in your schools, shooting up your schools and killing your children, that's nobody much, wants yeah. to. That's right, too right. much. Nobody wants to touch that with a ten foot. Well, what are you supposed scary. to do about that? Yeah, you're kind of fucked. I mean, there's nothing you can yeah. really. Yeah, until and you know until it happens to you, and and then all of a sudden you're out there, you know, protesting the whole thing. And in the yeah, case that's, of that's the story uh, of life until it happens yeah, to you. Yeah. You know. And you know, so yeah, it was it's a it's a serious problem, and these shootings continue. They just had one today. Where was it, Kentucky? I've got to pull the stuff down for that, and they had a school shooting. And the thing about school shootings is that if you look back in the history of this country, these things were rare. I mean, before Columbine and Jonesboro and Paducah, mostly you had shootings outside the school property on the street, gang yeah, or things like that. I mean, isn't that all a product of like how they uh, – that the Columbine one, I'm sure it wasn't like the first one, but it was so um, – it was so deadly – that it like became yeah. such a national concern, and then that just yeah. you know it's, as Lauren Coleman wrote a fantastic book about this, where uh, the copycat effect. It was like that, you know, yeah. that horrible fucking event like left an indelible mark in a lot of uh, young people's minds. And for some yeah. reason, I guess you know, because that was what almost twenty years ago. So some of these yeah. people who are shooting up places now were you know weren't even born when that happened. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of amazing when you think about it. Like, there was a shooting yeah. today in a high school, and there's no fucking, you know, that kid had to have been born uh, after Columbine, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's turned into a weird, I don't want to say cult, but it's like a weird, like, uh, thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know what you call it, but it's like this copycat yeah. effect has snowballed now to the point where uh, these things are normal. Yeah. And the thing is that if you go back and you look into these shooters' backgrounds and you look at their lives, in almost all cases, with the exception of a few, you will find that they had at least one parent in the military and quite possibly in military intelligence. Uh, the kid was on, most of these kids are on these psychotropic drugs. And where did these psychotropic drugs come from? Well, they came out of the CIA's MKUltra program. That's where all these drugs came from, was the CIA's research into mind control. You know, and even though pharmaceutical companies are the ones pushing these drugs, go back and look at their research and where they got the research from. And they were doing the research for the CIA in the 50s and 60s. So really, all of these drugs actually come out of the government's mind control research. Now, whether these school shooters are like an, uh, a lab accident or whether the government is purposely creating these robotic killers it doesn't matter because as a lawyer you could go back and say you help the pharmaceutical companies create these drugs you financed it you you let the pharmaceutical companies test this on unsuspecting americans you the cia are culpable 
The pharmaceutical companies are culpable. It doesn't matter if you were involved in a conspiracy or not. Your drugs cause somebody to flip out and kill somebody. So right, right. whether people believe in the conspiracy or not, it does not matter. The, the government financed this research. They wanted to know how to control mines. They told Congress that was the goal, was to control the minds of people, that they wanted to use this on foreign agents to turn them to our side. And they admitted that they did this in prisons. They did it in psychiatric hospitals. They did it on college campuses. And the fact is, is that when you read some of the papers by these high-level CIA and other uh, people uh, that work for the government, ultimately you find this is part of their mind conditioning for their new world order. It's to make people palpable to this global society they want to create. And the papers already say that if we just tell people we want a one world government, they're not going to go for it. They're not going to consent to it. But if we acclimate them to it, if we create violence, if we, if we, if we create this mind-numbing effect and get them to follow it, then we will have it. And and what it, who was it that said, was it Adler Huxley himself that said it, we will have global government by consent or conquest? Yeah. One of them said that. So, they, so the whole mind control research, all of this, all plays into this. Whether they, whether they wanted these shootings or whether they were a side effects of their mind control research matters very little. Yeah. At the end of the day, they caused it. They are culpable for these murders. The government is. Whether they allowed it to happen, whether they pushed it to happen, or whether they were like, oops, one of our lab monkeys ran amok. Right, right, right. They're still culpable. Well, we'll see. I mean, I agree there's like a medication connection to it, but it's like I don't think they'll ever really – they won't ever like (laughs) – I don't think they'll ever prove it completely. Right, right. They're never going to be like, oh, it was definitely because all these people are on – Yeah, there are are millions of people on these drugs, and yet only a small fraction of them are going off. Yeah, but isn't that the whole thing where it's like, you know those commercials where they show the, uh, you know, they show the drug and they have that huge list? And it's like, you know, if you take the drug, you could end up, um, you know, sleepwalking off a cliff. Yeah. And it's like, we have to put that in there because three people did. So it's like, maybe that's, you know what I'm saying? That's. It only takes it only takes one person to be <laughs> the outlier of these weird uh, drug trials and shit. So who knows? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah. they're not going to put that on the commercial. They're not going to be like, you might sleep off a, a cliff or also shoot up a bunch of people. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. So we're we're nearing the end of the thing here. They're going to cut us off at the uh, at the hour. I want to know a little bit more about this trip to Germany, though. You're going. When are you leaving? When are you so you so you're really ready to leave the country in a couple months? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, um, I just you're gonna stay on the, Facebook, I hope. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, lose we, you again, man. We have we have access to the, uh, to the internet over there too, and Germans are pretty high tech. <laughs> oh, Germany has the internet. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Where um, in Germany are you gonna settle? Uh, probably Berlin. Uh, Berlin's very nice. Yeah, and I love Berlin. You've been there? And, oh, yeah, you stayed oh, yeah. there. We went there yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah, I went there earlier. Uh, I've been all over the place over the years. Uh, when have I you been on... to the zoo in Berlin? No, we didn't get a chance. You have to go uh, to the zoo in Berlin. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you heard about yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah. How it has no yeah. cages? Yeah. Yeah, 
Exactly. And I, I've seen I've seen pictures of it. She sent me pictures of it. And I'm like, I have got to go because I love tigers. And they oh, you'll like it. Me. It's amazing, dude. They yeah. You know, there's just giant moats around all the animals, so you're completely safe. You assume. I don't yeah. think anything ever happens. You're completely safe, and you can stay. You know, and there's no bars or any barriers or anything like that. It's amazing. Yeah. Check it out. If you move to Berlin, I may come and visit you anyway. So. Because okay. I want to see that fucking zoo again. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're there, I'll be like, fuck, I'm going to hang out with William Zabel for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a, I got a friend in uh, Australia. Uh, she works at Steve Irwin Zoo, and she raises Bengal tigers down there. And nice. she's got one as a personal pet that lives in the house with her and her daughter. <laughs> and uh, Jesus. I was down there years ago, and this thing is, is like a house cat. She's very docile, you know. Uh, you got to be careful playing with her because she does weigh 300 pounds, and she'll jump on you and stuff. So you got to be careful. You'll end up with your spleen in your throat, you know, <laughs> 300 pounds of fur landing on you. Yeah. But I had fun when I was down there years ago, and and there's possibility my girlfriend may get a contract down there, and she goes, if we go, then you can go visit the tigers down there too. So that, that'll be fun to do that. But I keep telling people, I say, you have no idea – how bad it is in America. You've got to go to a foreign country and look at their press and what their people are saying about America. You really have to look at stuff from the outside. And when you see what's going on in Europe and how we manipulate Western Europe and, you know, and we fund NATO and we fund all this crapping with Russia, yeah. uh, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that America is not the good guy in any of this, the country as a whole. No, um, I think what you're saying is true in a sense where it's like if you went to Australia right now or England or something like that, like I just don't think the people are as fucking tense as they are here. Everybody here is like a like a super stretch rubber band, man. Everybody is super on edge. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. And if you went to like Germany or France or Italy in one of these cities, I bet everyone's just so laid back and they're, they're not all stressed out about everything. So yeah. I envy you, dude. I'd like to go fucking move to any other country right now just to get out of this, like, maelstrom of tension. Yeah. Well, you can feel the tension everywhere. That's and what it, I mean, yeah. It's just you, everywhere you go, it's like you're walking on a landmine. You don't know if you're going to step on something, you know, right, everywhere right. you go. And uh, like I told people, I said, how much longer can we keep this joke going with this debt-based society, $20 trillion in debt, and that doesn't include corporate and private debt. When you put all the debt together, what is it that Joe Flinty and those guys say, $1.2 quadrillion or something like that? I mean, these guys are going based off the balance sheets from Wall Street about the derivatives and all this. I'm like, the $20 trillion alone is impossible to pay back. Yeah. And you got you got kids out there that graduated from college, you know, they can never pay those student loans back. You know, they're delivering pizza for $10 an hour, and yeah. yet they got $60,000 in student loans. This is such a debt-ridden society uh, that people are just, you know, they're walking around. They're zombies. They're just, well, what they call wage slaves. Right. And they have no ability to do anything. They 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 can't afford rent. And this and everything I, I bitch about Trump about, people like Trump, and Trump is certainly no exception to any rule. There's a lot of people out there in the world like him. These people believe, and I've seen it right here in the town where I live, that only they have the right to be comfortable 
and to have a good job and to have money. You are there to pay them what they want and to serve them. Yeah. And we're seeing that in the town where I live. We got a lady who just got a real estate license, and she's going around town telling everybody, oh, we got to get everything up in this town like it is in California. Everything's too cheap here. We got, I said, lady, we don't have people here working at Burger King for $25 an hour. People cannot afford rent as it is on lower middle-class wages. We have people making $36,000 a year here right. that have to get a second job because between high rent and high car insurance and car payments and taxes, they can barely afford to get by. Well, they'll have to figure it out because we have to get everything up. I said, where do you want things? And she goes, well, these houses, 150000 no, that's way too cheap. And I said, where do you see them? And she goes, well, in five to ten years, they should be around a half a million dollars. So I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, I do you said, own a home there, William? You can make out big. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And, and and she's not the only one. I hear this from a lot of these people that they're all obsessed with this California nonsense. Well, we got to do things the way they do in California. And I'm they're like, trying to r- drive the riffraff out of town, William. That's why you're going to Germany. Yeah, and it's like, uh, have you ever seen California lately, the homeless problem out there? I got a friend, <laughs> I got a friend who's an architect. And she can't even get in the front of her building because all the people walking up to her and wanting money and everything else. And she Jesus. says, it's a disaster out here, you know. And they're, they're, these people that are like Trump, like this lady and like others I met, they will not stop until they collapse this thing. Yeah. Because their greed knows no bounds. Well, yeah. They, they, they think the party will go on forever, you know. It's just like the idiots that were involved in Iran-Contra. Did you see the latest movie with Tom Cruise, American Made? And, you know, no, nah, I don't really watch a lot of movies. Definitely not yeah. Tom Cruise. Sounds like propaganda. Yeah. yeah. Well, he a Tom, to, like Tom Cruise movie with, called American Made? That sounds like something that they want me to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was basically about Barry Seal and his drug-running operations. And um, they tried to interfere. Well, one guy... CIA kind of knew he was running drugs. And I'm like, oh, please, they're all involved in it. Oh, I know the movie you're talking about now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And how do you think these CIA agents supplant their uh, $65,000 a year income when they retire from the CIA and all of a sudden they're living in Europe or the Bahamas in a million-dollar home? You really think they managed to save that much money working for the CIA and paying for a mortgage? and college education for their children here in America, bullcrap. These guys, and I saw this in college when I did mail fulfillment. uh, We put the statements to the state of Colorado employees in the envelopes, and we stamped them, and we sent them off to the general mail facility. Well, I started looking at some of these statements, and I was looking at their savings accounts and their checking accounts, and some of these people had $60,000 in checking, $100,000 in savings. And I went and looked on the web, and a lot of these people worked at the DMV. Some of these people uh, worked downtown at the state capitol building, and they worked in the general services area. But they're only making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. How the hell do they get a hundred thousand dollars in savings? How do they, how do they average sixty thousand dollars a month in checking? Well, they had a little scandal blow up a few years before Columbine. They caught a lot of these people stealing just out of the treasury. These morons 
we're giving these idiots credit cards to go buy supplies, kind of like what they do in the military. These guys were going and getting cash off the credit cards, putting it in their bank accounts. They didn't yeah. think anybody would ever audit that or know it because, hey, it's the government. Well, they did the same thing when my cousin was in the Air Force. They would give all these different divisions of the Air Force credit cards and say, well, you know, the people are responsible for buying tools or toilet paper or whatever. Give them the credit card, let them go buy supplies. Oh, these guys are buying hookers. They're buying cars. They're buying everything. And son, my cousin was responsible for arresting a bunch of these guys. And he says, why in the world did they give all these idiots credit cards? Why not just put in a requisition to Washington, D.C. like the old days and say, we need 100 cases of toilet paper. The GSA buys it, sends it to the military bases, and it's a done deal. Why are they giving these idiots credit cards to go blow money? And that's how they're catching a lot of these guys with the child pornography because they're using government credit cards to buy the downloads. And that's how they're catching them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and so I saw it here at the state level in Colorado. And, you know, an employee at the DMV making $27,000 a year but has 100000 in a savings account. How the hell does that happen? See, it's just, it's, it's, it's system-wide. It's everywhere. It's like America is just one big candy store and everyone's walking in 24 hours a day and grabbing what they want, and you and I are paying for the candy. Ain't that the truth, brother? Ain't that the yeah. truth? All right, well, yeah. we got to call it a night, man. We're like way okay. – we're going to run out of time soon. That's okay. – <laughs> man, I love talking to you. I really do. And uh, I'm sure the listeners did as well, uh, or at least they yeah. did uh, enjoy hearing us talk. As I said at the beginning of the show, we have this weird chemistry, you and I. You really genuinely uh, – you just make me smile, man. Every time I talk to you, I'm just like, this guy, <laughs> you know, he's living the life of Riley. God bless him. Yeah. And I'm so That's thrilled about you falling in love and moving to Germany. I think this is fascinating. Uh, you know, people say, oh, you're going to do more audio. If William Zabel's moving to Germany and getting married, then you damn well bet I'm going to do some audio in the future when he's situated in Germany. Zabel in Germany is the natural, you know, progression of this of this series of conversations. It's like uh, the police academy when they go to Moscow. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I knew you'd get that joke. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you for everything over the years. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you in your travels. Folks can find you on Facebook, William Zabel. Um, it's been a wild ride, and I plan on talking to you again in the future, no doubt about that, buddy. So uh, stay safe, right? Don't we all have to just oh, stay yeah. safe and try and stay out of the mess? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, man. I- yeah, I try. I try to stay out of you know getting too deep in, but unfortunately, you know, when you go looking for things, sometimes your nose gets caught in the you know in the door and schmack, and so you have to live with it. I mean, yeah. there's. I'm luckier than some researchers. I mean, there's some researchers they never found their bodies, and others that are you know laying in graves, and their relatives are going, "Why did you look into that? Why did you stick your nose in?" So. Yeah, I'm lucky, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised lucky, I'm in a lot of ways. You seem like so yeah. outspoken and colorful that they'd uh, that they take you out, yeah. you know, in some kind of accident. So it's a miracle that you're still with us. And uh, yeah, get the hell out of the well, country, and we'll <laughs> and we'll yeah. talk again. Well, I'm, pro- I'm probably going to have to. I'm probably going to have to get out of the country because I've been tormenting Trump over the past couple of months. Yeah, eventually they're going to round uh, those of us up who are uh, anti-Trump and and try and yeah. with us. So yeah. I may be well, right I, behind you know, out of the country. I, I asked Trump, I said, since you are banging every other woman on the face of the earth, I said, if I come to Washington, can I bang Melania? 
How did you ask him this? What, on Twitter or something? No, on White House website email. Jesus. Oh, William, you're you're a rabble-rouser. Yeah, I just have to torment this guy. Well, I tormented Bill Clinton, too, and, yeah. and Shrub, you know. And I asked Obama for his birth certificate. I said, can I get your real birth certificate? <laughs> you're so crazy. All right, yeah. man. I will uh I'll talk to you sometime in the future. Like I said, be well. Thank you for everything. It's been a wild ride. This is not the last time we talk. Um and every time we chat, you surprise me. So, good luck with this move. Uh I hope it happens oh, yeah. cuz that would be oh, yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. you know, post well, updates I, I, on I, Facebook. I mean, I have you on Facebook. I never see anything about you moving moving to Germany, so you know, yeah. well, you don't want them to let them know. Uh there's you know, I, for one thing, some of my relatives are assholes and they're friends on Facebook, and they just they start deriding me. They know I went over there. They know I have a girlfriend, but I'm like, I don't need the hassle right now. I don't yeah, need that. Exactly. What are you going Talk over there for? What's yeah. the, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? You know, you know. And I just I'm like I just I'd like to tell everyone, but if I tell everyone, I have some people that just wouldn't leave me alone about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, you be you, William. You be you, buddy. Oh yeah. All right, man. Thanks for everything. Good night. And uh, like I said, have a safe move. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Good night. Good night. All right, folks. Wow. There you go. That was William Zabel, vintage William Zabel, another classic conversation with the man. I can't believe he's moving to Germany. I really uh, – that that completely knocked me on my heels. So um, fascinating. I hope that works out for him. And uh, lots of good talk on conspiracies. Amazing depth on that one tonight, too. Wow. I was having a hard time keeping up with William. He was going a mile a minute. It was like, oh, my God, we're we're all over the world and all over the map and everything here. It was pretty crazy. So, But uh, as I said, vintage William Zabel. Uh, I can't tell you anything about next week on the show because, uh, you know, we're coming down to, like, the last handful of shows here, and it's hard to uh, – really sort of like swirl the drain. <laughs> you know, it's hard to to stick the landing in a way. I have an idea of how we want to wrap up the show. I have a pretty good idea for it and uh but that's going to take some time. So we're probably going to do a few more episodes than I anticipated. Uh so you can celebrate that now. And and for good reason because there are people that I still haven't talked to. Like tonight we have William Zabel on. This is episode 31 which is insane because normally we'd end at 33 and it's like there's still a whole bunch of other people I still want to get back on the show that I haven't talked to in a long time. So, I mean, I can't tell you how much longer this thing's going to go. I'll just drop an announcement of a season finale on you <laughs> probably in like six weeks. That's that's my best guess. Um, and I have an idea who I want to talk to next week, but I have not even reached out to them yet, which is usually a bad sign. So uh, there are other folks as well on sort of like the last remaining shortlist. Um, as I said at the end of last week's show, the people who I was like, uh, you know, I would be remiss without talking to this person. This is insane. I can't do a final season without talking to eh. Uh, there, there, are, there are a few people like that still out there, and uh, I need to talk to them. So uh, that will happen next week on the show. <laughs> and uh, you don't need an MP3 update because if you're listening to this, you have all the MP3s. You're all caught up. You're at the very cusp of what's next here for BOA Audio. So on that note, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to William Zabel. That was uh, just amazing. Just a, an absolutely delightful conversation. Um, 
And until next time, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., this is Tim and all. Thank you for listening and signing off.